نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes? All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the Reform, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WGAG Radio. Radio. Well, back. My name is Dr. Valen Christie. I've been a student of the Grand Master Dr. Malachi Zayoff for 10 years. And in those 10 years, I've been exposed to nothing but undisputable truth. From the Nubian Islamic Hebrew, to the Ansar Allah community, to the Holy Tabernacle Ministry, to the ancient and mystical order of Malachi Zadok. I've been through all the schools of higher learning. And now, I'd like to introduce the man of our time, the Grand Master, Dr. Malachi Z. York. Thank you. 
make up the whole bit. Um, now the main thing is, um, we all haven't heard it, I think you should get it. Because if you really listen to what he's saying, and I think that was to me yesterday, right? No more to me, and I listened to it last night. If you really listen to what he's saying, he said, and I repeat, and this for him and his father, this is going on there, he said that Allah was created in triple darkness. Mm. Ain't nothing to worry about. That's better. He said, when you're outside at night, that's not darkness, that's the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 He said, that's an illusion, that's not real, that's the shadow. <laughs> the real darkness is inside the womb where people are conceived. If all that, he said on that page, if you're looking for a devil, stop looking outside there. You black people go look in a mirror, and there you'll see the devil. <laughs> That's not a direct statement of black devil. <laughs> there it is. I ain't finished. You get to take it from there. He also said on that tape, I mean at that lecture, he said that it's Muslims and Islam, and he said they might not want to be called Muhammadism, but they are Muhammadism. Uh, uh, <laughs> and he said Muslims, Christians, and Jews, give up those names. But that was divided and destroyed. He said, religion is destroyed. He said, the real religion of God is obedience. That's And that all of y'all are God. And then he proceeded to say, is it not written in the Lord? I said, Condition. 
with the same bad information. The information has got to upgrade itself in order for you to upgrade the people and know who you are as a prophet. Have a point, it made sense, and it lifted them for, to a certain level. Muhammad Elias Muhammad had a point, it made sense that day and time, and it lifted them for a certain amount of level. You know what I'm saying? Even Clarence 37 
you had a point star. You can see it just as clear as day because whoever was on the camera might have been one of our followers. But he's getting right on his face. And you can see where they put the six points on it. Not five. That is not the symbol on your book. That is not the symbol on your pen your lesson. That is not your national, not your flag, not your pendant. That is known as our symbol. And everybody knows. You know why they know it? Because they never saw what they refer to as a Jewish star and a Muslim crescent. They never saw it before. The high-ranking Freemasons saw it, and they would approach you on the street and ask you, do you know what that means? Right. And you say, you? And walk on about your business, but they and no one else ever introduced the six-pointed star and upright crescent to Nubians until 1970 when I presented it to the world as a sign of the ever-living the living, the true and living God. And they look in the book, and they look like and say, this is similar to the true and living. Now leave the God out. But I wasn't taking a position until the time was right. And when I say true and living God, I mean, like the brother said, you can walk up to your God and talk to him. You can walk up to him and say, I got a question for you, God. They can't do it. They can't walk up to Quran, they can't walk up to Clarence, they can't walk up to none of them. You understand? And if I move on to the next life, then another God steps in place. No such thing like nobody coming after me because um, I'm so great, nobody can succeed me. That's not how it works with us. When one Pharaoh steps down, another Pharaoh comes in. That's all God means to Pharaoh. But when we make a declaration that we're God, what upsets you fools is you keep on taking our definition all the way from the hands of our community. I would tell y'all, stop judging my religion by your religion. Stop judging my interpretation by yours. We stop reading our book and think you know what we're talking about. Fool, instead of just asking me. We say, God, we ain't talking about your God. Your God is, you know, I said, it's a whim. <laughs>
We respect them. We respect the Mahdi. And always will. Our Mahdi. If y'all don't want to be your Mahdi, they need our Mahdi. We put them in our bag with the rest of our stuff. <laughs> y'all want some Zulama Akhtar Pakistani? That's your Mahdi. That's fine. Y'all want Master Brahma Muhammad call your Mahdi? That's your Mahdi. That's fine. Why we all can't have our own Mahdi? We all got our own shoes on. My foot ain't the same size as yours. <laughs> and as long as we don't stand toe to toe, if all we ain't got no problem. And we obviously y'all don't want to stand toe to toe with me on which Mahdi is right. But I wrote a whole book on how my mahdi is a true mahdi. I can see y'all. I had to write a book on yours, so you won't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's the bottom line. Is that we are God, and we're reflections of God, and we're an image of God, and we're the likeness of God. If that bothers you, then hey, you just have to live with your problems. Do things come and go. Get a cure. Get the cavity dug out. Get a shot. But do something. But don't interfere with me. Don't try to get me. Because you can't explain to me or prove to me you got a Tuesday anyway. I know you got a Tuesday. By Tuesday, I mean, I know you're stressed in what you're teaching. But I can see it in your eyes. I can see the lack of confidence while I watch that tape. I don't watch that tape to watch that mouth. I watch that tape that while that mouth is moving, that sound is coming out. I want to see if they really that's what they're saying. They know what they're saying. Anytime anybody starts talking about God, they don't know what they're saying because they cannot prove it. If I talk about a car, I can prove it. If I talk about this hunk, I can prove it. If I talk about the compass in the square, the actual compass and the square, the actual hunk, the actual car, I can prove it or take you to one. If I can't, I'll make one. <laughs> Those are the principles of being confident and being in truth and being right. Right. But not when I start trying to convince you that you are wrong if you don't believe in some unseen God. And give you a complex and try to make you feel guilty because you're the kind of person that says, I don't mind you look good feeling that way, but I just have a man that wants to know. That may, I'm a different kind of being, you can call me the devil, you can call me anything to make you feel comfortable because I want to know. I just want to know. There's anything wrong with that now? You talk to me about Allah. Tell me about Allah. Can you explain this thing to me? Don't say God is real. Get all that. And the worst thing you can do is run over to the Quran. A book written by mortals, if not written by mortals, recorded by mortals, stored in the subconscious or conscious mind of mortals and human beings who are all imperfect, like you said, a wobbling planet, a wobbling mind. Your mother ain't gonna go to the Quran and say, listen, the Quran says, Allah says, of course. The Quran was written for people like you that want to use the word of law. I thought the Quran is going to back up Islam. You go to Jehovah's Witnesses, they do the same thing. They got a whole bunch of books that back up Jehovah's Witnesses jump. What about the universal truth? The universal truth would be the scripture name of law and tell me the meaning of it. And your scholars can't even do that. El Ila or El Lahu or they don't even know what it means. You asked one the other day, some five percent. I believe in Allah. What does Allah mean? He said, huh? <laughs> the word, not, you know, not, the, not the attribute, the word itself, that being attributed to the being of course, the source, the person, or whatever, or the box, the cookie, whatever it is you're going to love, what does the word first mean? They can't tell you. Muslims are this being law, what does the law mean? The God. What happens if the Germans never created the word God or good? Then what would you say it means? The Duke, the French, the Dios, the Spanish? What would you say, man, that we need all these other languages? Drop everybody else's language, brother, and tell me what Allah means. Now, what would happen is, 
if he could speak the Arabic language, he would start giving you a commentary of Allah in Arabic. That's the only way you can explain Allah. Because Allah is an Arabic word. You can't explain Allah in Arabic word in English. You would be translating. The Bible says you'd be moving away, trans. You'd be going away from it. Trans is trans is <laughs> You'd be going away from it because you cannot capture the actual meaning. The Bible So now who's trying to pull me in and make you think if a person don't believe in God and they're a devil. The brothers don't believe in God, brothers don't believe in the devil either. Don't understand that. They come together. Because you wouldn't even know there was a God unless there was a devil. Because there'd be no purpose for your God if there was no devil. So y'all need the devil as bad as y'all need your God. Because what would a religion be without the devil? What would be the purpose of Islam if there was no shaitan? What would be the purpose of Judaism if there was no hasatan? What would be the purpose of Christianity if there was no dragon? If I do you ask the Muslims, do y'all need the devil? You better have the devil because if you don't, you have to close your mouth and stop Mecca. Because the whole purpose of going to Mecca is to open the statue. So Shaitan and everything you say. In your salon, you're praising Shaitan. When you eat, you're praising Shaitan. I don't want Shaitan to take my food. <laughs> you know, not only we, we don't say God is a whim, only God and the devil is a whim. That's a whim club. <laughs> And think you got a monopoly on the whole world got a big problem. Meaning, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity is nothing but one ideology on the planet. You don't know nothing about the depths of Hinduism, Buddhism, and Zoroastrianism, and a million other philosophies or doctrines or religions that don't have nothing to do with your concept of belief. You only sound powerful because you're in a country that was owned and ruled and lived on by a group of people called Washita or Tulip from the ancient Almanac, the God who did not believe in that God and the Christian concept came over here with, uh, I mean, people who were Portuguese brought the Christian doctrine over here and spread it there and then later on Judaism came over here and then later on, Islam came over here, but the indigenous people of this land, the natives of what they call Americans, didn't know nothing about your God. And got wrecked that the Almighty was existing 900 years before Christ. Here, right on this land in America, 900 years before Christ, they're digging up heads right now in Mexico, called Anaximander. And there they find traces of a people that look just like you. Before the year 570, when Muhammad was born. Before Jesus was born. You understand that? We got a life and a culture that goes back way before that. We were called Moors by race, way before more was synonymous with Muslims. They were more before they were Muslims. They were called Morenos before Muhammad was even born. Or more. The French way, before Muhammad was born. If I'm saying somewhere along the line, Islam bit its way into more. And now you got a bunch of 
people walk around saying, I'm a more scientist and raise their hand for this long. Don't realize that Islam is taking away from the greatness of being a moor because Islam was born in Arabia among Hindus and Turks calling themselves Arabs. And there was no Middle East. Look at the map again and then say Middle East. I shall call Say it. Now I don't say the word. I mean, think about Middle East. Where is that? You do it. Go to a blackboard anywhere. And do this, make a comment, and put Middle East there, right? Ha! How can there be a Middle East? <laughs> <laughs> and this is West, and this is East, and this is North, and this is South. How can this be the Middle East? <laughs> now, we know what the thing called the Far East. That's the Far East. This would be the Far West. This would be the Far North. And this would be as far south as you can go, as far west as you can go, as far east. But there is no such thing as a Middle East. There is no such thing as an Arab with natural roots. You will not trace Arabs to natural roots. You will trace the people back to a man called Jokhan, which will go back to Hebrew. But you will not find Arab as a race. The word Arabia means automobile. And the word of it, I don't mean to roam about, to move. You know what I'm saying? They don't exist. There was no such thing as Saudi Arabia. That oil over there is ours. Our land extends from California to where? The Persian Gulf. There was no split. There was no red or green sea. That's a natural threat. That Atlantic Ocean did not exist. I showed them all that back in the Northern. All those pieces fit right back in. Straight on down through South America. There's no such place as Puerto Rico. That just means that when they got there, he said, that's the richest port I've ever seen. So how now are you going to say that Puerto Ricans are poor people? And Puerto Ricans are minorities? And Puerto Ricans don't have nothing? And when you say Puerto Ricans, you're saying they're rich. Simon Amorite says, you Puerto Ricans, he's saying, you people from that rich port. Right. You say, well, what happened to the riches? What happened to the people of the port? Then it was a black dirt of a swan and shape was giving a man anyway. So it's still. 
still comes to man. You are more. The modern science temple is related to it from a Islamic standpoint of view, from a Moroccan standpoint of view. Bring out a Moroccan flag, not a Moorish flag. You with me? The Moroccan flag is red with a green star of Solomon, the sacred seal of Solomon. Came into Morocco by way of France. That's where the word more, M-O-O-R, comes from. That's the French way, more. You don't know what they were called in their language. Maybe when I walk up to you and you're from the Morris Science Center of America, whatever nickname you didn't add on and change into with your brother, and ask you to speak the language you spoke when you was a all-man, or speak the language you spoke when you was a Wachita, or speak the language you spoke as a tune if you can. And Arabic is not that old. Arabic goes back again into biblical languages. Arabic again goes back into Genesis 10. And we know that that is two verses away, or two chapters away, from the Emirates. Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 give you the Emirates, and then the, what they call the most eloquent writing, the Gilgamesh epic, which covers the Lord's blood, which is from the victim. And then you got on 7, 8, 9, 10. And then you start talking about Hebrew, Arabic, Aramic, Akkadian. And then you got to get into 11. You start talking about Chaldean. And not once you mention Arabic. But Arabic is a dialect of Ashur. You know? So you ought to get that back too. A form that has a Jewish star on there. The sixth point is star ain't no Jewish star. Someone lied to you and you lied to yourself, because you told me that David was a Muslim. You said Dawood in the Quran was a So now Dawood is a Muslim, when you saw a brother from Ansar Allah, with a six-pointed star in presence, on his hat, and that star is known as what? Morgan? The star of David, and why would you tell an Ansar, why are you wearing a Jewish star? That was a confession that David was not a Muslim. Plus, nowhere in the books of the Old Testament does David ever refer to himself as a Muslim. Now you say, well, Abraham named you Muslim. That's Quranic again. That, that came up between the year 610 and 631 because Muhammad died in 632. You cannot go to a new book and tell me about old things unless you tell me this book is an old book being retranslated. But you're not saying that about the Quran. You're saying it's a final revelation. Something revealed for the first time. When 99% of it is obviously not the first time here. Everything from prayer, walking, talking, eating, sacrificing, circumcision, and everything else was taken out the door. But because you claim that it wasn't, and if this is a revelation to Muhammad from cover to cover, and you put yourself in a bad way. Because you got to then show me, not in the Quran, show me in the Tanakh, in the Torah, where Abraham calls himself a Muslim. Show me in the Torah, where Moses calls himself a Muslim. And if you say, well, Shalom is the same as Shalom, 
Then why did y'all create Salam and Shalom already existed? Shalom and was good enough. And I talked to each other like that. One second. But they didn't even know this. So let me try it again. What does Assalamu Alaikum mean? What does it mean? No, it doesn't. The word Alay means what? On. Alaikum means on you all. Alay is not through you, it's not in you, it's on you the way that Tarbush or that Tahir or that Imma is on your head. This is close, or this is simple. But it was tricky. Some demon got into this again. Understand? Yeah, yeah. If I say to you, Salam, peace, Alaikum, I'm saying peace on you. I'm not wishing you peace. I'm not saying peace to you. The peace is not seen, disguised in your heart, just not in your body, not in your head. It's I love you. On the box. So when Muslims greet each other, it's a subtle trick. That's why I got Shalom out of it. Rahu back in. Because I tell you, Assalamu Alaikum. The peace be on you. You don't need peace on you. You need to be in a peaceful state. Wa Alaikum Salam. And on you peace. Or Ma Salam. With you, peace. With, like, with mouth in Arabic. It's not with, like, in your character. That's anger. That's with, like, to accompany you somewhere. May peace walk beside you. Maybe that's why so many of y'all get hit by a car. Because you get hit and the peace gets away. <laughs> From the renewal. That's right. <laughs> How come we have not heard that in 1400 years? How come nobody in all Islam has said and said, no, Assalamu alaikum does not really mean anything. It's to help you. Just make peace be on you, on top of you. Like I put a glass on a Marabita table. I put a book on a desk out of Mexico. Is that real? And I put the print on the book, it would only be on a cover. So you could, if you say, I do Quran, the truth is on the Quran, you would not be saying the Quran has any truth. All right, now if you read the Subhanallah again, the first couple of verses, you're going to see that Allah, 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 Allah will be in a feel on their heart, but they translated it in. Deception, height. Everybody knew we would come. Nobody knew when. Everybody knew this day and time would come. They were calculating and we were calculating. And we are the best calculators. <laughs> because we have worked it out. So that is not no Moorish flag. That is a Moroccan flag. Unless the Moors they're talking about are more than all under the government of Morocco after the 17th century when that flag got there. And when Dus Ali 
Ibar was teaching no Jua Ali. Jua Ali was not using a Moroccan flag. Because also Marcus Moses Gaudi was also taught by Jua Ali. And Marcus Moses Gaudi introduced a red, black, and green, which was originally black, red, and green. The flag as found in the Sudan, the flag of the Mahdiya, with a spear and a crescent. That was the flag, black, red, and green. And all of your revolutionists throughout America, by whatever group or sect, are popping up the Mahdi flag. And don't even know. They got all these very black marches, all these red, black, and green flags, all of this snapped off. The fair crescent would symbolize the warriors of the Hajjadawa tribe that came down from the north to defend Sudan from Lower Egypt, actually, because the Maxi was from the Hajjadawa of the of Denali, a place. That was a place. So if I'm called John Malawi, that's a name after place. If I'm called Nubian, I'm named after place. But where am I by race? More. What is my nationality? More. If you don't be anything, don't be Afro-American, be a Morris American, he said that that's all right, but they got to separate that dog on Islam from it. Because we go back before Islam. All the pharaohs were Moors. And if you go to Europe and you read in any of their books in Latin, you follow? And don't let them, we got to stop letting them call Morris brothers Latinos who's not speaking Latin. We got to get away from that too. Y'all another one in Roman trip. Like Negra and Negro, which I showed y'all in the Bible. The Greeks were calling us Negroes. If all that, the Romans were calling us Morenos. Jesus was called Morenos. You know that in most Latino families, because the mind has been a mess with the parents would tell them, don't be no lazy Morenos. <laughs> That's right, and you're telling me. Say no different your mother say, don't go hang out them low like niggas. The same principle. But somewhere on the line they made more synonymous with low life. So we gotta reinstate that. But we gotta make it clear to the modern science temple, we are your brothers. But only as far as the truth.
نشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحتي والمجدد لمن مرسلين Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it and that he is alone and has no part and that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sustainer of all the boundless universes all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the generous eternal friend and send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles and on the Messiah the anointed one and on the Mahdi the God and on the Mujaddid the reformer which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. You are now listening to The True Light with As-Sayyid al-Imam Isa al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Understanding that the cherubim are of the negative angels and the seraphim are of the positive angels and they are people who are spiritual descendants of these two natures, then why is it so hard for the people who feel that they are of the seraphim to dwell in the tabernacle? All of those people that are seraphim are magnetically attached to the community. Regardless of how far they travel, or what they see, or where they go, they have this desire to come into the tabernacle. Anyone who is at the door of the tabernacle is just listening. Like the Quran says, there are angelic beings who listen at the door when the Holy Quran is being recited, only to take those recitations out and pervert them. Many people, whether they're black or white, have become cherubim when they were seraphim by nature. Even the angel himself, Azaz and Lucifer, was an angel of pure light. He chose to go bad. So black people can go bad. So when you stall at the gate, Shaitan gets the best of you. He catches you when your consonance is down. He stands at the door, it says in Genesis, and waits for your consonance to drop. He waits at your weak point. He sends out slanders like he did to Job. He kept sending different men in his image to tell Job how the Lord has killed his family. And he kept saying, I alone have survived to tell you this. You've got to be careful because many people who have the essence of a seraphim, a seraphim are, are the pure archangels for those who want to know, and the cherubim are the wicked angels who fought against them before judgment. Many of them transform from angels of pure light into angels of fire and never even know it. Still say they're Muslims, still wear the garb, still say they're praying. That's another mistake a lot of pale Arabs tell people that Shaitan doesn't pray. That's not true. Shaitan will pray and his evil servants will also pray. And they will come in a masjid and pray next to you. They will read with you the Quran. They will try to guide you through the scripture their way. They'll not guide you on the Surah Al-Mustaqeem. They'll not guide you to the covenant. They'll guide you their way. And they'll keep on telling you this is how it really is. This is true Islam. This is the real way because the majority of the educated Arabs accept it. All those people who are educated in those different universities of Islam are not the ones Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides. Those are the ones that professors and teachers of different schools of thought guide. 
it's a big difference. So the point I'm trying to make is a seraphim knows where he belongs and goes there. Your father, that's why he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When that spirit was restored to David, when he had his soul restored, he said, he restored my, my soul. Then he followed by leading me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You see that? And he also left by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I'll dwell outside with my opinions. And you better be very careful, especially you people in there who might be sincere, about those people who sit at the door of the community. They've been in, they absorb a certain amount, and they sit at the door and pretend they're here, and they're out teaching, dressed like us, pretend they're us, never have no intentions of being in here. They're more of the devil's children than they are of Ansar. They have came in and have turned back. The Quran refers to them as the Munafik. The Munafikan, or some people translate it as a hypocrite, or the real word for Munafik means a divider, a divider. He divides himself from the community in certain aspects and pretends he's in with us at other times. He says he's with us, he says he's like us, he says he believes in the teachings, he says he'll, he'll, he, uh, the Imam he says his leader, etc, etc, but he's not in. He says, because I don't like this, and I don't like that, and this doesn't go this way, and I heard this, and I heard that. That is not a seraphim. That is a cherubim in black skin. And he can be as confused about whether or not he is a fallen angel as you can be about whether or not you are a rising angel. Inside his body, there's turmoil or legions pulling him in different directions. That is the devil getting the best of him. Because the righteous come in. The righteous are looking at the signs of the time and they come in. They don't waste no time. They're looking at the world, the events of the world, they're looking at plagues and diseases and they, they go right in. You understand what I'm saying? If you want to read the Revelation and get a better understanding, the 19th chapter. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Allahumma or Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our Creator, which they say is God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He has judged the great whore, which is Babylon, the city that you're in, which did corrupt the earth, the whole world, with her fornication, and has avenged the blood of his servants and her hands, meaning the prophets and the saints, that this harlot has destroyed, just to prevent the truth. And again, they, meaning the righteous inside heaven, who made it to heaven, which you read the 23rd chapter, is referred to as the crystal city, said, Allahumma or Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. This is all a continuation of the book of Revelation chapter 18 about the smoke of Babylon. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped Allah that sat on the throne saying, Amen. It's over meaning. Hallelujah. Okay? And a voice came out of the throne saying, Alhamdulillah, praise our Creator Allah, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, taqwa, that's mustaqim, both small and great, be he a king or a servant. And I heard, as it were, a voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as a voice of a mighty thunder saying, Hallelujah, that was a, a 
applause to the righteous who endured to the end, who got the crown of life, who stayed in the tabernacle, will be saying, hallelujah, that it's over. For the Lord, Allah, omnipotent, reigneth. He steps above all ye gods and the Messiah and all of your prophets. Now the whole boundless universe who is Rabbil Alameen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is Malik al yawmuddin He now rules as the omnipotent source over all. Now it says, let us be glad and rejoice. Remember Jesus said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, because great is your reward in heaven. Speaking about the people who will be slandered and persecuted and spoke out against false. He said, blessed are the persecuted. Remember that? Blessed were man shall revile thee and say, all manners of evil against thee falsely for my name's sake, because great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, he says. You understand? So it's the people we're talking about on the inside that we have to worry about people reviling and saying all manners of evil against us. They have all kinds of stories about Jama Ansarullah in the Bid Islamic Hebrews. It tells us to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. And it follows up in that latter day in the, in the seventh uh, verse of the 19th chapter. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. And throughout the scriptures, whenever they speak of the marriage of the Lamb, they say it's to the tabernacle of the Most High. They say that it comes down as prepared as a bride, which we'll read as we go on. It'll prove it. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed. That means you were given the right. That's why it says it was granted that you should wear your white. It was granted that you should be arrayed in fine linen. Many Christian preachers try to imply that this wearing of white is a symbol of your purity. No, it uses the word linen, which is a cloth, a white cloth. That John the Baptist and all the righteous have known for centuries to wear. And now if you go and look to Mecca, you see all Muslims come from different parts of the world wearing all kinds of flowery colors and stupid costumes. But when they get around Beit Haram in Mecca, around the Kaaba, Allah Ta'ala tells them, be like Nabi Ibrahim al-Hanifan and wear that white, that simple white. But all throughout the Quran it tells us to be like Nabi Ibrahim. But they feel they can wear any color when they're outside of Mecca. No, Allah Ta'ala tells us by Hajj, by the pilgrimage, by the Hajj, that we should be wearing white at all times. And that's a sign of our purity, but it's also the garment of the righteous. Clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That means we are living in the image and following in the sunnah of all of those prophets who was up until Rasulullah alayhi salatu wasalam, Muhammad, who was Khatim Anbiya, the seal of all of those prophets. Number nine, and he said unto me, write, speaking to John of course, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of Allah. And I fell at his feet to worship him. John, when he heard this, wanted to fall down and prostrate himself at the feet of the angel, who was Mikael, the one who walks him through the books of Revelation, to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, that have the testimony of Isa. I am one of your brethren, 
Because Jesus said, I sent this angel in, in Revelation chapter 1 to signify my word. You see. And he's telling him, I'm also a testimony because you're speaking in the reign of Jesus' time where John, with a kalima, would be completed with the word becoming flesh as Jesus, not as Muhammad at that time. So they would say, La ilaha illallah, Isa Rasulullah. The way we after Muhammad claim say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. So that's why he claimed testimony to Jesus at this point because Muhammad had not yet come. And he was speaking about the future world. Worship Allah though. He made sure he put after testimony of Jesus. Worship who? Worship Allah. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the testimony of Jesus is merely a spirit of prophecy. But your worship is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. He alone has no partners. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vestures dipped in blood and his name is called Kalim Allah the word of Allah in the Holy Quran it teaches that Jesus was called Kalim Allah also he was still had the word of Allah with him alright and the armies which were in heaven notice that followed him upon the white horse clothed in linen, white and clean. Now this is talking about after the thousand year rebellion, when the 144,000 had been taken up to the crystal city, there to be groomed by the Messiah, Isa and Maryam, who even in Al-Islam we acknowledge, or you acknowledge, would return. You follow? Now the devil had been locked up for a thousand years, and let loose on the world like he does in the book of Job he let loose on the world with total temptation of all humanity and at this point those who had been in heaven for a thousand years those first resurrectionists are being ready to come back to wage war against the devil I feel sorry for you people who don't make the first resurrection because when the devil is let loose from the pit on earth he's going to wreak havoc that you've never felt before and his day is approaching. 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he could smite the nation. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treated the winepress. What are we speaking about? He's talking about the judgment that the Messiah and the 144,000 is going to pass upon the world and upon Satan. He's going to judge people by the tongue out of his mouth. The two-edged sword out of his mouth is to cut up lies like a serpent, a sting. He's going to come forth with truth. The two-edged are backed up by the languages of prophecy. The speaking in tongues and in translation. 
to make things clear in language. And this is the problem we have as teaching al-Islam here in America and trying to resurrect people is they say we, we spend too much time on the words. It's the meaning of words that makes the scriptures clear because they called him the word. So you got to start with the words, the written word, and through that there you can make things clear. Instead he's going to judge and rule by a rod of iron. There's going to be a lot of suffering because they use that same reason, that rod, to calculate the number of the beast and to calculate those who are in the tabernacle from those who have given themselves over to become Gentiles. The wine press is mentioned as being as high as the bridle of a horse in Revelation, which is three feet from the ground where it says blood will run through the streets at the height of a bridle. The horse's bridle stands three feet from the ground. The fourth is the wrath of the Almighty Allah. These 144,000 will come forth with the power of Allah to sting the world. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh the name it King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the reason why they refer to Isa and Maryam as King of Kings and Lord of Lords is because David himself was a Messiah, which is clearly mentioned in Psalms chapter 2. Every time you see the word anointed in the Bible, the word anointed means Messiah, Messiah, or Mesha, or Misha, depending on whether it's Arabic, Aramic, or Hebrew. But they'll translate Messiah into the word anointed when they don't want to mislead people into the truth by accident. <laughs> so they make you think that anointed is one word and Messiah is the next. Any biblical or Bible dictionary you look up the word Messiah, they'll translate it anointed. So they had to point out that this final Messiah here was King of Kings. His judgment is greater than the book of the kings. Because they had prophets who wrote the book called the Book of Kings. And David taught out of that stuff in the Psalms of Solomon. And they were saying that this one is the King of Kings. Because he comes with grace. Grace is ni'mah or forgiveness. And the Lord of Lords, he's over every rabbi that have ever existed. He's the master of all the rabbis. He no longer falls under Kohen. He no longer falls under Levitical law because he was not a Levite. So they had to establish that he was higher than all of them. Okay? And I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying, to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens, come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great Lord or the great Creator. Why did this happen? Because if we go back to the books of the Prophet Noah, alayhi salatu wasalam, and how he was summoned before the judgment of the world of his time to gather all the animals together. Here we're speaking about the judgment again. And remember, the first time the world was going to be judged, it was judged by water. But this time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it shall be judged by fire. So he called the birds to bear witness. Number 18, that ye may eat of the flesh of the king, and the flesh of the captain, and the flesh of the mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them 
and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Of course, the next question comes up, what is he talking about? About eating the flesh. Do you people have a Quran in there? If you do, turn your Quran to Surah Tufil, which is the Surah of the Elephant. Would someone read it? this way. They came forth with elephants riding to, to conquer and stomp all the people around the Kaaba and put their guards and their idols there. But Allah protected the Kaaba this way. Go ahead. Okay, second verse. Did he not manifest their scheming to destroy the Kaaba was given an error, the grave error? And consequently on them he sent airborne flocks throwing hot stones from Sijil. By throwing the stones from Sijil, he made their flesh raw, like kernels of quickly consumed corn and chewed hay. That's it. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alam dara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka biya sahabifil. Alam yaja'al kaydahum fi ta'neel. If you make note that Tairin in the third verse again, could you read it? Consequently, consequently on them he sent airborne flocks. Tairin or the birds. He used Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the birds. This, by the way, is where Alfred Hitchcock got his picture concept. He used the birds to attack these people who came out against the Mecca while he was against the followers of Rasulullah This is how he protected them. And he will protect the 144,000 again when he calls the birds. I just want you to see that a lot of biblical quotes match directly to the Quranic meaning. If they just read the Quran, they'd see what they meant. If you ask the average Christian preacher what this is talking about, they wouldn't even know. Ezekiel 38, 18 also will speak about it. 19. Again. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. So now the beast, the devil himself, had got his armies together and they are preparing to war against El Messiah and the 144,000. Notice that this is a replica of that story in the Quran, Surah Tufil, when those horsemen on elephants came to make war against Mecca, where Rasulullah Muhammad would be born and fell. Number 20, and the beast was taken. And with him the false prophet, not prophets, 
a false prophet because there will be a flatterer who's going to come in the name of the Messiah and deceive the world, Daniel teaches. A false Christ who's going to rise up and fool the whole world. We call him Messiah and Dajjal in Islam. Many Muslims are going to drop their deen and follow this false prophet. That worked miracles before him. And this false prophet will have the power to perform miracles. Many times people ask me concerning Christian preachers and how do they heal. The devil has the power to heal. The devil was an angel. You can heal in the name of Jesus Christ and be wrong. You can heal in the name of Buddhism and be wrong. With which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. His miracles and his falseness as a false Christ is how he's going to deceive people and give them the mark. Now in Al-Islam, Rasulullah Muhammad throughout the hadith, they keep making mention of, you know, the followers of Masih al-Dijala because they'll have a kafir on their forehead, the letter K. Now, what they have misinterpreted is that they have people looking for a letter K when it doesn't mean that. The letter K is symbolic of the kafir. And when you look at people who are living in the image of the beast, and if you look at the Arab world today, and if you look at the president of Egypt, no beard, no tagir, suit, tie, he's dressed like any other Britishman. And the same thing would be Syria, Jordan, Morocco and even Saudi Arabia and up until recently even the Sudan. These people are living in the image of the beast. Therefore when you see them, you see a K. You see a Kafir. They have the mark of the beast on them. The whole Muslim world is making a transition from following the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad living the way he had prescribed for us to live dressing the way he dressed, eating the way he ate, praying the way he prayed, and doing things the way he did it. Now we're following the hadith of men from different parts of the world who are altering them to suit their culture. Now there's Muslims dressing like Pakistanians and like Afghanistanians and some Arabs come here and they dress like Americans, put on little silly hats and plaid shirts and and go to college in NYU and give up total Sunnah and then call themselves Sunni and look at an Ansar and say we're not Muslims. What a joke. It tells you that you can expect to see them with the mark of the beast. And when one of them walks up to you in Arab, I don't care how, what country he's from, he walks up to you, the first thing you ask him, are you a Muslim? Ask him, is he a Muslim? And he says, yeah, I'm a Muslim. I'm from Egypt. Say, that don't make you a Muslim. <laughs> Following the way of the Prophet Muhammad, he left two things for you, Quran or Sunnah. Following his way is what makes you a Muslim. And if I look at you from head to toe and I don't see you dressed in the likes of him, then you're not a Muslim. I don't care what white Arabs told you, how much flattery they give you, so that they can make friends with Christians and Jews after Allah tells us not to. Christians and Jews don't even understand their own doctrine. They're fighting each other. Holy Quran, chapter 2, verse 114 tells you that. They don't even know what they're talking about. They're fighting and they both have the same scripture. Or they're disputing about Abraham and their books came after him. 
yet the Muslim world is trying to emulate all these kings are trying to act like and live like the American world. An average Muslim, you see, if you call yourself a Muslim and he's not in a Sunnah, say you're not a Muslim yet. Say you may be trying to become a Muslim. And I don't care if you're born in Sudan, or born in Egypt, or born in Morocco, or born in Saudi. Now, if you're not just in the Sunnah, and you haven't found your way to the Sunnah, Rasulullah, don't tell me you're a Sunni. Or you're a hypocrite. And then, that worship, his image. Our people now worship his image. Our women straighten their hair. They put them in blue contact. Stop trying to live in his image and put back on your garb of righteousness. And all you people who slid out of your jellabies and slid back into American clothes and plaid caps and checkered shirts, slide right back into the path of righteousness. Because judgment is near. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone, which is another word for sulfur. The 16th Revelation 13 chapter would also support that. And the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowl were filled with their flesh. 1517 in Revelation will back it up, and 18, as well as 1716 in Revelation will back it up. Those that are left over after the devil and the false prophet is cast in a fire and brimstone, then the 144,000 will destroy you themselves. You will be destroyed also. Those who are the remnant will be slain. You'll be destroyed. When we destroy you, we'll be with the tongue of our mouth. The way the Ansar Allah community is coming forth now into the world, and we put everybody on the spot, and we question everybody's teachings, and we make them question their leaders, and their leaders can't answer, so all they do is they don't believe those people. <laughs> but you cannot stop the truth of the Ansar Allah community. And that's what they know. All of Sunni Muslims and the Shiites and all the different groups and the Bilalians and the Black and anybody that hates our community, they can talk about everything about our morality, about the moral conduct. They can create all kinds of stories on I heard this and I heard this. I heard he has all these millions of wives and all these millions. They can create all that. And you say, forget the man. Okay, he don't count. What about the truth? Let me ask you some questions about the Quran or about the scripture. They can't go. That's what you judge by. Let's read on. Now we move on to number 20. And I saw an angel come down, this is Mikhail, from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years. Revelation 12, 9 will give you another description of Satan. Now, Mikhail comes down after this, after a thousand year period, after this rage war, and he grabs a hold of Satan. The false prophet, remember, is already gone. Now Satan himself is left. What does he do with him? He's going to bound him up again. And bounds him a thousand years and gathers him into the bottomless pit 
and shut him up and set the seal upon him. You see that ring on your finger? It has a six-pointed star and crescent. That ring you wear on your finger with the six-pointed star and crescent is the seal that can bound the devil. You can't get around him. How many of y'all who wear that ring have had a devil walk up to you and say, Do you know what that means? Have you know it? Bear witness. White man will see that ring on your finger and say, Excuse me, can I see that symbol a minute? And his face will fall apart. He'll go, what does that mean? Is that, is that Islam? Is that Judaism? Ooh, what are you? You say, I'm an Islamic Hebrew. He goes, a what? An Islamic Hebrew. I follow the religion of Abraham. So it's not possible. You can't be an Islamic and be a Hebrew. I say, you're right. You can. I can. <laughs> I am the nation that Father Abraham was talking about. You knew I was coming. You knew I'd come like a thief in the night. You didn't think we were going to tell you he was here. While Honorable Elijah Muhammad was preaching, and while Noah Jirali was preaching, and while Sheikh Dawah was preaching, and while the Sunni Muslims and Ahmadiyya was preaching, we wasn't preaching, we were building. We came like a thief in the night. He just looked around, and we were here. When we looked around, the rest of them, they said, I just looked around, and they were gone. <laughs> he just looked around, and we're here. And now he has to contend with this new thing. The doctrine is unstoppable. He knew it. But that seal, you better get your seal and keep it on, because it's your protection against it. Don't let nobody fool you.
man is not promising you jack with a hurricane on his way into Georgia in two days. And he ain't telling you nothing. He said, Puerto Rico got hit, the islands in the Caribbean got hit, and guess who they call it? What's that little creature with this, who's got the color like this here? What's his name? Bonnie. <laughs> hurricane coming. It's called Hurricane Bonnie. And what are they trying to do that to kids for? <laughs> now Bonnie comes through and tears up the house and kids are going to be taking up. It's much like, it's like, like your uncles and fathers go hunting for deer on Christmas Eve. And while the child is waiting for the reindeer to come, they might walk into the garage where the uncles and pops have gutted the deer. They open the door, they open the door and they see Rudolph hanging up there with his guts hanging outside. Trauma for the kids messed up for life because of that. They can't do nothing about the phenomena of nature. Meanwhile, while you have to ask yourself, why would they waste their time messing with the Nuwabians, as they like to call it, Nuwabians? Why would they be messing with the Nuwabians at this close proximity to destruction? I mean, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going for the, oh boy, he's a doomsday preacher. You don't have to believe, you don't, <laughs> I do not care if you don't believe this stuff getting ready. I don't care if you don't believe the meteorites are coming. Your government knows it. <laughs> you know what? This week they had on the news that they uh, figured out a way to regrow the bones. And they figured out a way to reanimate tissue. Now, no, that's on the news. We have, you know, we, 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 we stay in there. Did anybody, did anybody hear about it? Well, we did. Check it, go on your computer. Or people of, of African descent, keloid, is because there was a time where we were able to rip our limbs as gods. They thought I was crazy. They said, that nigga is nuts. Anywhere in the world, you have their arm cut off and it regrow. Well, now the scientists are saying they can regrow limbs. They can, your, your bone can be cut off here, and they have a way now where that bone will go back and that flesh can grow back. Well, they grew an ear on a rat, and y'all saw that on television. Well, of course, they can grow your finger back. What does that mean? It means one thing, that the scientific community is being exposed to things they never was exposed to before. Whole new science. Carson is ready to have an operation to repair his ear. He may be in line for a remarkable new technology being developed here at the University of Massachusetts. A technology that won't just fashion him an ear from existing tissue, but one that through tissue engineering will actually grow him a new one. This is an example of growing an ear in the shape of a human ear on a rabbit ear. So it's actually an ear grown on an ear. That's just one of the wonders Dr. Charles Vacanti of the UMass Medical Center has created. His most memorable to date is this now famous mouse with a human-shaped ear growing on its back. The ear was made from cow cartilage, which grows much more easily than human tissue. But Vacanti has since been able to grow ears made of human cartilage in mice. I think we're very, very close. I suspect probably less than two years, probably within a year, of doing the same thing in a human. For example, if this was Carson's ear, we would first make a mold of his ear. 
To engineer tissue, Vacanti first molds a biodegradable scaffold in the shape of the body part, then covers it with the appropriate cells. As the cells grow, the scaffold melts away, leaving what just a few years ago would have seemed impossible. As a medical advance, I suspect that tissue engineering will be as significant as antibiotics. It's not just ears Vacanti is creating, but other structures like a windpipe and hard-to-repair bone. He's also found a way to make nerve cells divide and grow, a potential treatment for brain and spinal cord injuries. Other scientists are growing organ tissue, and Vacanti foresees a day when injured or ill people will have replacement parts grown for them. For example, you have liver failure. Instead of having to wait until a donor liver is available, I believe you will be able to engineer a liver of your own cells. Grow your own liver. Grow your own liver. Something else we mentioned, they recently mentioned, I don't know if y'all know, I hope y'all did. They talked about children, and the father's only 10% of the child now, and the mother's 90%. What? Do you know that? Well, yeah. See, here's what happened. This is going to get into your doctrine in a way where if you really get into it, you go, oh, man, if you don't know the doctrine, this might not catch you. The, um... Woman, the woman's body, mitochondria DNA, which predates man by a thousand years, when woman was God. Woman's body has a defense mechanism in it. Do we agree? Yes. Like a man's body. No, somebody say. Well, if you take alien blood from anybody, I'll make it clear, and inject it into a woman, in six to eight weeks, her blood will overthrow that alien blood. You know, that's why they have to be very careful with transfusions that they get people who have the same type of blood because your body will reject it. Now, transplanting organs has proven that to be a fact. That if they give you someone else's heart, the problem is always what? Rejection. Why does it reject it? Because your body has a built-in mechanism for it to defend itself against alien properties of all kinds. And even in the blood, ask anybody about blood. If you inject blood, if you, have to, if you have to get a transfusion, your body will overthrow that blood in six to eight weeks or that blood, or it will eventually kill you. If they add, add a liver to your liver, they have a certain amount of cells. They must keep your body constantly uh, filled up with, what do they call it? No. Anti what? I'm trying to but I'm trying to get simple about it. Is the way we use um not antibiotics, uh, it goes you have a, a body that attacks everything. Your immune system, thank you. They gotta keep inject, injecting you with serums to keep your immune system extremely high. They right now say if you have cancer and you have a very high immune system, then you can of course take radiation, chemotherapy, but if you don't, it'll kill you. That's understood. Well that's because it's alien to the body. You with me so far? All right. So now, once you establish the immune system and keeping the immune system, so therefore any alien organs would be able to survive for a period of time, but they have not succeeded yet with any transplants. Right here in your lower abdomen. This is an intriguing thought to patients suffering from kidney failure, like Kate Sullivan. Faced with a lifetime of dialysis, she recently had to ask someone close to her to make a difficult decision. My sister and I are super close, and 
I couldn't think of anybody else that would go through the kind of surgery that it is. I mean, it's not, it's not simple and there's a lot of pain involved and a lot of healing. And I don't think you can just ask anybody to do that. As soon as I found out that she needed a kidney and that a living related donor would be the best one, I said that she could have mine. The transplant was a success. And a few months later, Kate was in excellent health and well on her way to a full recovery. But Kate must still take 29 pills every day to stop her body from rejecting her sister's kidney. A kidney from her clone would be a perfect match. If I needed a kidney and I could get one from a clone, I would definitely do it. Because the most important thing would be that you wouldn't have to take the anti-rejection medicine. Because I see what my sister's gone through and I think that's the hardest thing about the kidney operation is that she has to take so much medication. And since Kate's new kidney may only last for 10 to 20 years, she may have to go through the transplant process again. At that time, human cloning may be an option. It has always been rejected. No one has succeeded. If they extended the period of time, you know, but it doesn't last ever. Eventually, the alien's uh, organ dies. All right, so then, if a man and a woman are together, sexually, that is, when a man releases semen into the woman, it's what? It's alien to her. What is the first thing her body thinks to do? Protect. But they found out, scientists, that there's a certain part of the brain that triggers and it releases a serum that creates an egg inside the womb of the mother. It's an egg or a bag, a pouch. You follow that? And the baby or the fetal is in this bag. And it's kept in a lubricant, lubricant of water that is producing the hormone so that it is actually fighting against her invading the baby and killing it. When the, when, the, when the brain does not trigger this properly, you hear me? And it doesn't send enough of these defense mechanisms, there's a miscarriage. Right? If too many of these things get in the bloodstream and into the baby, when the baby is born, within six to eight weeks, there's cradle death. It still attacks the baby. They'll tell you they don't know what cradle death is, because they don't know. <laughs> but it's a scientific fact. So now, what actually happens is, the baby in the womb of the human female as a mammal is living in a sack of water. Has anybody here been raised on farm? Good. Well, I mean, you see a hen laying egg, right? Does it come out hard or soft? A lot of, lot of city folk might not know that. When a, no, not Johnny, but they don't. Uh, when a hen lays an egg, it's soft. You follow? And then when it hits the air, it begins to harden. The same thing happens with the placenta of the woman. When they first remove it from the woman, it's soft. In just a couple of minutes, it starts to harden up the clots. Where am I reaching at? I'm reaching at the fact that women have an egg inside of them. That they really give birth to an egg. But unlike the, the chickadee, it cracks the shell on the outside of the body. You call it my water breaking. And the egg breaks inside and the baby comes forth. 
And sometimes they'll say, the egg collapsed and put a thin veil over the baby's face. And uh, let's say the medieval doctors who didn't quite understand what that meant said that baby was born with a seventh veil. Had a, had a veil over his face. That's a mystical baby. He's going to be psychic or clairvoyant or something. And that passed all the way down to grandma saying seventh kid, seventh kid of a seventh kid has a seventh veil on his face. All that was was the shell of the egg collapsing. Got your attention, don't it? Well, science is very interesting. I've always told y'all for years, study science. Because once you master science, religion looks funny. I mean, it looks real cute, but it's a nice, it's a nice institution. People need it. People need it. Keeps them out of trouble. But it has nothing to do with this. What are we saying here? We're saying that human beings are a form of mammal that has an egg inside, and the baby is developed in a liquid substance, so thus the baby is breathing with gills and does not inherit its lungs until it comes and sometimes in the hospital they have to pump water out of the baby's lungs showing that the, just like the, the movie uh, the, what's it called? the abyss that the lungs were full of water until it so there's a transformation or a metamorphosis from a sea creature with with gills to a land creature with lungs within that period. You follow? The frightening part about it is that when we go back to religious doctrine, especially Western world religious doctrine and Middle Eastern religious doctrine, such as Islam and Christianity, we get this character called the devil who becomes a serpent. A snake. Now, of course, in our doctrine, we've always had a problem with a talking snake in the garden. So it didn't ever sit with us that a snake was holding a conversation with Eve. Didn't make sense to us. And that was our way of, of asking them to explain it. We understood he was a Drago. We understood Drago and Dragon is in the Bible. As Tainini. We understood that. Right? But they didn't. So it was more fun to say, we're talking about, you know, how a snake could talk who they're calling the devil in Genesis chapter 3, who travels all the way to Revelations as the dragon. But this being called the devil was identified with a serpent. When they say Leviathan, again, if they give it, you look it up in the Bible, they say a oh, big sea creature. Tainim, a walking dragon, right on the temples of Babylon, they used to have the drawings of a snake with legs. All right. Then scientists admitted that the original snake had hips. We've shown that in our books. If the original snake had hip bones, then it had legs. Then, like the Bible will now on your belly shall you go, unless the scientists do that before and wrote that after. On your belly shall you go in days of your life became oh so the snake once walked around on four with a snake body and dropped down. Well, that's the Komodo dragon. That's why a whole bunch of kids are attracted to having um lizards and what's the other one they have in the houses? 
the iguanas and their attractiveness creature while people wrap snakes around them and keep snakes and stuff as pets and feed their snake chickens, little chickadees like it's okay, and watch them consume it. There's some, there's some uh, parental tie to the lizard and the monkey to make the man. The monkey being uh, the uh, mammal that uses its lungs and the le lizard being the uh, reptilian that uses its gills and lays eggs. Now, some reptilians lay eggs on land, some reptilians lay eggs in sea, and some reptilians keep the eggs inside their body and deliver them just like a human being does after the fetal has reached its growth stage. You hear me? What is coming into reality is that when we go back to ancient Tamara, the original name of uh, Egypt, and we look into our own ancestors, when they speak about the birth of the world, they speak about the primordial egg. You remember that? Western world stole it and called it the goose that laid the golden egg. Okay. The goose that lays the golden egg is a goose that lays the sun, because the sun has always been a symbol of your gold. And they also stole it and came up with the stork that delivers the baby. Now let's combine the two. The goose that lays the golden egg and the stork that delivers the baby says that children are coming from a bird. We have three powerful birds in ancient Tamara. The falcon, the hawk, and the buzzard. Those are the three most powerful birds. The reason why they call them the most powerful birds is because Ra, Amun, and Horus all shared symbols throughout the writings and hieroglyphics where they, they were at one or other times depicted as one of those birds, all of the birds. The wise bird, of course, was the owl. But what separated the owl from the other three birds is that he's the only bird with his eyes in the front of his face like a human. No other bird on the planet has his eyes in the front of his face, and he's also a nocturnal hunter like humans. Say what? Well, see, humans see better in the dark than they do in the light. And this is why when they walk into a dark room for the first couple of minutes, they can't see. And after a few seconds, things start coming to shape and form. We really see better in the dark than we do in the light, but we've been told cut on the light to see our way around. Because the people who govern us and create the laws don't see well in the dark. So they got to lighten everything up. You hear me? But way back then, they said that Ra, the sun deity, came from noon. Noon, the Muslims even stole it and put it in the Quran as an initial letter, noon. And they said noon represents the what? The well that Jonah was in. It's also in the Hebraic teachings too. Noon. The well that Jonah was in. You see that? Man inside of a fish. Or man in fish. Now the definition given in ancient Tamara for the man in the fish or the human reptilian was a papi. Or papa. What is that? Father. That's the Pope. 
She wears a fish-shaped hat and identifies with an ancient Babylonian deity called Dagon, which identifies with an ancient Malian fleet of gods that came from heaven, and the tribe is called the Dogon, and the beings that came to them were called the Namus, and they were supposed to, according to Dogon writings, you hear me? Will roam at night only and go into the sea during the day. So they live in the sea. Well, then we go to Sudan and we find that they say beneath the Nile there are beings that live there, Denaire. You understand? And these, they say, in their traditions, these beings come out at night to teach human beings and stay in the water by day. It's like at night you instinctively say, it's night time, I'm going to go to bed, I must take a bath and get into water. You get up in the morning and say, well, I'm getting ready to face the world, I got to go take a, boy, my skin is dry, I must moisture it, otherwise what will happen? My scales will start to show. We call it rashiness and ashiness. But what we're really saying is, if I don't keep the outer surface of my skin moist, I will dehydrate and scale off and can scrape off dead skin like any other reptilian. Oh yeah. Certain human beings, jaw bones are constructed where their front teeth and their bottom teeth don't touch. Their back two teeth connect. Oh, a lot of people. They're round. Okay. She's on. I got them. They don't touch. They have a round, you know, their mouth is round. You ever see that? Because those other mammals and stuff chew their cud. So they constantly chew their food over and over with their back teeth, swallow it into one stomach or the other, and then regurgitate it again and chew it again, like cows and stuff called chewing their cud. You see? But certain, for some reason, certain of us human beings, if we all come in one strain, certain of us have the mouth of a fish. We have this obsession that it is romantic to make love near the water on the beach. It is natural to go into the water to bathe before we make love. You bother? We drink water all day. Otherwise, we will de- Doctors say, you better keep taking in liquids. If you took a fish and put it in a container, the only way you can keep that fish alive, if you don't put it back in water, is to do what? Keep on putting, keep it wet. You all hear me? So in our ancient day, in ancient, in our time, ancient, I don't know what to do with y'all. Back in ancient Egypt, in ancient Sumeria, they say the same thing. A fish man came out of the Tigris Euphrates and taught the Sumerians. Now the An- Anutu, Anutu is the name they have before they get to Ki or Ki. When they get to Ki or Ki, Anutu changes into Anunnaki. And that's Anu, Na, and Gi, or Ki, or one of the names for the planet Earth. Ancient 
Egyptian or Tamara name for the planet Earth was Tanin. Tanin. Tanin is in your Bible where they have serpent. Not in Genesis chapter 3, they purposely selected another word, Nakash. And they uh, selected that word Nakash because it means divination in Hebrew or to whisper. And of course, the Muslims who steal everything from the Jews brought it over into the Quran and Simple Nas and call it Khanash. Nakash, Khanash. And in the Quran, it's still written up as the whispering devil. You hear me? So we have a tie-in to people coming out the water and teaching us whether it was in Mali at the Dogon, which also would cover Senegal and Morocco and uh, Mediterranean, all the Moorish places because all that was one at one time. Then we have El Gore. Horn, which is where Arabia and all that area was, and they have in their writings that fish people, people who were half human have fish in some form of fashion, came out and taught them. And then we go into Egypt, and we have the primordial egg coming up out floating along the sea, and coming out of the water was Ra, right? And from Ra, of course, Atum. Uh, gave birth to, to that rock principle, and we have those three moods of the of the ray, because really it's the ray, not rock. And those three moods of the ray was atum, atun, and amun. And atun was also referred to as simply tun. He was tun in the morning, and he was he was I'm sorry, atun in the morning and tun in the evening, where apparently, or as they say, the sun sets, where set, or the setting of the sun comes in, where they travel the darkness through the shadow and come back around again each morning for the sun to come back. But still, it meant going beneath the sea. They didn't look at the sun in ancient Egypt as going beneath the land. They saw it as going beneath the sea, and they would go down in the morning at the sea and they wait for the sun to come over. And they say, God walked the water up to them. This was the ancient sun worship custom. And what they were looking at is the sun apparently to come over the horizon and as it traveled the water, they stood on the, on the dry land near the beach in the morning, their hands raised up and they watched it and they watched it come up and they did this with it until the sun bathed them in the warmth and the vitality and, and, and they knew that that was a rays that would grow their food and they gave thanks at that moment. That was Babylonian, Egyptian, African, Mayan, Aztecian, Eskimo, everybody except the Christian. And of course, the Christian regurgitated and gave birth to Muslims. Which means they took portions of Christianity and Judaism and fabricated their own religion. Alright, called Islam. But even it is based on the sun. And Christianity is based on the sun. It's just that they made the sun a man and called him 
the Egyptians made the sun Ray a man and called him Amun. So he became Amun Ray, Lord Jesus Christ. The Hindus did the same thing. The Dogon did the same thing. They all prayed to the sun. You follow? And the sun is the most deadly thing that a reptilian can get caught in. Because the sun will. So it was hell to get caught in the sun. So they created from the Greek word Helios, from where the Egyptians or the Greeks call the Egyptian city Heliopolis, Helios hell. And so the people, one time, no one thought hell was down. They thought hell was up. They thought as you go toward the sun, or that the sun was coming down to earth to burn everybody. That's in the Bible. Coming down to earth to burn you up. In fact, they say in the Bible, the Lord will no longer destroy the world by water, but more by fire. They're thinking of the fire burning the whole world up. The only being that would be afraid of the sun would be being that are afraid of dehydration or the people who could not dive back into the water away from the sun until it passes its three stages. And only people that understood sun worship and Atun, Atun, and Amun would know the stages. You see? So Christianity set it up where to look like they know, they worship on Sunday. You see? And they put a halo or halo, Helios, a ring of gold around Christ's head, which is the iris of the god Ray of Egypt, a circular. And so the Greeks knew his name was Asaru, so they called him Osiris. And put the big O there, because if you look in any science book under the symbol of the sun, you get a big cipher for O. Yeah, that? And Lu meant primitive. Lu cipher 
meant primitive cipher. Yeah. Lucifer became a primitive cipher over bright morning star, which is the sun. So Christ was called the early morning star, and then in Isaiah, Lucifer is called the bright morning star, both representing the sun disk. You hear me? So there is a relationship between mortals here, men, women, and reptilians. That's why, if you hold up your hand and look at it, it's yours, you can do it. <laughs> Stretch your fingers as far as you can apart, and now turn over and look back, and look between here, and you'll see you once had webs. You may not like the way it looks. But if you have skin that must stay moist, if you have the ability to reanimate limbs, if you have webs and scales and, and need water, and then we'll take a hen's egg and eat it soft scrambled or write out the egg, mix it up for vitality. Do you know that snakes hunt down other snake eggs and turtle eggs, they swallow them, and then they spit out the shell. So when you're having that sunny side egg, and your wife say, that's slimy looking, why are you eating that? That slimy egg that you're eating is an identification with your reptilian nature. That obsession with swimming pools and beaches and, and salt water, the moment you jump into salt water, you, it goes right into your head and clears it up. So, man, I had a cold before I dived in here. All of dust and mucus that was in the air just went out through that guy in the salt, in a, in a salt water. Why? Why are you so comfortable in salt water? Why, you, why is it? Now, listen, if I took salt and threw it in your face, what would happen? What would it do to your eyes? So how come you can open your eyes in the salt water in the beach? And the salt that you get is from the salt water in the beach. Why is it that once you get back under the water, your body readjusts immediately and your nerves in your eyes do not pick, do not pick up the salt as something that's attacking it, but you're able to... You ever know this? Why is it? Because you'll have the ability to readapt to your original environment. Because if you went right, if me and you went to the beach right now and dived under the water, we could open our eyes. And if I went right to the house and got a sea salt and threw it in your eyes, you'd have a fit. <laughs> so what happens is, when you're standing on dry land, your, your, your body calibrates where you are and adjusts itself for where you are. And when you dive in the water, the moment it hits the water, your body has to recalibrate itself and adjust it to where you are. You follow? Just that quick. So there are reptilians like the alligator and the crocodile who can come out of the water and stay on dry land for a while, longer than they should. And then, while breathing air, go back in, especially hippopotamus, which is why hippopotamus is the highest god in Egypt, then go back in under the water and leave underwater hippopotamus. Or the Link to you, 
which I'm going towards, the well, which they also proved was on land before it got into the water, still has its lungs, and your ancestor, the dolphin, who transported your seed here to this planet to be, to be germinated and grown here. <coughs> Dolphins are your ancestors. That is, you have a relationship to the dolphin. You know? <laughs> you can go to SeaWorld and Disney World and watch a whole bunch of times going, tree, 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 tree. the dolphin won't come nowhere near them. You walk over there and make one sound like a dolphin and they'll come look. Look up at you. And look to see if you know. And if you don't know, they'll just go in about their business. <laughs> if they see you know, they'll stick their head up. They'll pat them and they'll go back and work. So much for your relationship to the reptilians or the sea creatures. Let's get back. Let's get into other subjects. Right? Unless that you got hooked and you want to say. <laughs> Boy, you better dance. Ninety percent of the child, the party that he missed, ninety percent of a child between a male and a female is the female. Because all of the the components to make up the child is coming from her. The man is in distress, the semen is in distress from the moment it gets in the body because the woman's natural antibodies are going after it to destroy it because there's something alien until his brain... Right. Because the baby takes from her um, immune system to right. protect themselves against, you know... The baby, to protect his notice that the, if the baby has to go, has to trigger something in the brain. So it, otherwise the mother will kill the baby. This extends out of the womb and it's called postpartum, where women can flicker and beat their baby to death with a spoon or throw it out the window or put it up and they do all kinds of things. The doctors have written that off as a, you know, a mental defect, you know, it's, but, but, but accept it, yes. Well, um, at least, I want to spawn that after the six months, at least. After the six months, you should stop having such relationships and care more about training your body and exercising and preparing to um, yield a basketball <laughs> as opposed to, you know, stimulate, you know, for pleasure. You know, because that's your body, that, your body does have to be prepared for that. But if, if during that period of time, the man ejaculates the woman, semen ain't going anywhere anyway, because everything closed up. Huh? Pregnant and, and after that, that he's just inside the womb. Is it a bad thing to have the, um, the sperm being injected into a woman being injected? You know, with, um, attack it anyway. No, I'm saying because the brain is now, since she became pregnant, the brain produced the serum to protect it, so it won't, it won't, it won't be any harm at all. Brother, we're up there. Um, what happened is, dolphins are beings from the Cirrus star, Cyrus, they call it, Cyrus star, and the Neptunal 
which is the Egyptian name for the Anunnaki, used them to put the seed of human beings in the dolphin in order to transport it from one place to the other. They do that now in laboratories. They'll take the egg of one animal and inject it into another animal in order to fly it from one laboratory to the other side and then take it out and then inseminate it inside to inside of an egg for development. When they were bringing the, uh, let's say, the fish man from Cyrus, which is a, a predominantly water planet, to Earth, they did it in a sea creature called a dolphin, which is much, much, is a little different than he looks today. He's also evolutionary. And then injected it here in the, in the, in the monkey, right? Because you have two different seeds there. You have the gibbon, which goes into the, to the chimpanzee, and then you have the other one who went to the, the baboon and the jackal. Um, from the, the baboon, <laughs> I don't want to go that far. I want to go to the baboon and the orangutan, which is the Caucasian side of the monkey. And then you have the gibbon, which, which is the working thumb. That's why we have more coordination than they do. You know, we're, we're much more agile than them. Because the monkey that's in our genes is called a gibbon, and he has working... His hand works, he can grasp things, whereas the orangutan can't grasp nothing unless he holds it like this. He doesn't have a working thumb, his thumb is too far down. This is why there are a lot of Tamil who, you notice, if you look at their toes, their toes are extremely long. And sometimes the first three, the first toe is real short, the next two, three is like all three the same size. Their hand structures are a lot different now, and they literally, understand the racist statement, this is science, this is fact. And they literally move different than we do, bodily-wise. They don't know how we move the way we do, how agile or colorful as they their term for it is. But they use those scientists, those gods, those Netaru, those Anutu, the Namus, use the dolphin to transport the gene to Earth from Sirius and then the laboratories, Shimti, on Mars, which they found the laboratories on Mars, in a place called Sidonia, and they're trying to cover it up, cause, but it's too late. Everybody knows the truth now. There's life on Mars, and that's, and they now, then they transport it here to Earth. And they use these other biological entities, or some biological, some of them are mechanical, which called graves, which they made from mammals on this planet. And they like made a Frankenstein, the whole concept of the Frankenstein movie that they show you, is when the Anunnaki were making graves and they used these graves to go into environments that they who have the same anatomy like you and their planet Sirius had the same type of atmosphere as yours which is another name for risk, right? They used, they, they had to use beings that could go into other planets like Mars where they couldn't survive on that and then those beings went there and built spheres. We discussed this the other day. They'll call it, uh, they'll say that planet Earth has, is a biosphere. And it's not a biosphere, because bio means two. And sphere is any specific place where life or matter exists. So we have the ability to live under the ground. We have the ability to live in water. We have the ability to live in air within the Earth's atmosphere. And then we have the ability to live now with space stations outside. So we don't have a biosphere, we have a quadrosphere. And if they come and create a dome structure and move people in it, now we got a what? It's going into a, what's a fifth? 
a quick, a quick now becomes a quick so sphere. But they'll say we have a biosphere. We are living in several different atmospheres on the planet Earth at the same time, and several different life forms are living together in each of these spheres, but only one or two of them are capable of living beneath water in a space station. Like if I fly from here to, um, let's say, Asia, I may spend 17 hours in a plane. If I'm there, as long as I stay in any environment more than eight hours, I've altered the, the natural course of things, which means I should spend eight hours sleeping, eight hours eating, and eight hours digesting and dissipating. That's the three-eighths that make up the 24 hours in a human being. If I spend 17 hours in the air, I get jet lag, my body has to go through change, I have to readjust, I have to be recalibrated when I get my feet on the ground. It's the same thing if you go swimming and you mess around in water too long, when you get on the ground, you're, the, when you get back on the ground, your body feels real strange. That strange feeling is your body you know, touching the ground, dealing with levity, gravity, density, moist, and it's recalibrating itself. And then a couple of minutes after that, you feel normal again. You understand? You okay now? and never explained it. And oftentimes, uh, when once the messenger was gone, and Farrakhan wasn't really close enough to him to have gotten the true message from the messenger, because he wasn't really under him. If I now ministers to test him, will put him on the stop the spot and ask him, what is Triple Dockers? No, he don't know. Whereas where D. Muhammad, his son, did know what Triple Dockers meant. But now he has shifted doctrines from Nation of Islam, Islam, to Sunni Muslim Islam, he's not saying, you know, what so what they're talking about in the womb and a woman being triple darkness is they're talking about when the sperm and the ovum come together, nobody sees it. When the eggs are being produced in the ovum, nobody sees it. If all that, and when the baby is finished making its total tumble in the womb and starts its journey outward, nobody sees it. So these three, these three major stages are all done in darkness. And that's what they were alluding to in the nation of Islam as triple darkness. Go ahead. I just spoke about the law earlier. Would it be good for Milwaukee to get a legal education outside of Georgia and both in another state like Alabama? Definitely. I mean, I, I don't know what, I don't know what or who is telling anybody whatever they are. I encourage all the Wapians to get an education and to get the best education we can get for what we need. 
What's said is the day and time we're in. Jabal, that's the that's a frightening part. We're at such we're so near. That's a lot of noise, right? Sound <laughs> like a motorcycle club. We're so near to these calamities that not me, not me, uh, Amanubi or Akapah is telling y'all about who's predicting. Not me, but scientists, astronomers are telling people about meteorite showers coming and a large meteorite and, and people are acting like there's nothing going on. They're telling about the ice caps melting. They're telling about the warming, uh, global warming and the greenhouse effect. And then they're even telling them about the computer crash in 17, 16 months. And the people are acting like nothing's going to happen. Well, what's going to happen is if they don't, uh, uh, are not able to change the number system in the computer between now and 16 months, all the electricity is going to shut down. The pumps are going to shut down. The hospitals are going to shut down. Everything that works by computers. The planes will have to stop flying. That means the diseases are going to get rampant. And what they're doing also because of the heart project, I want to keep you out there too long, right? Because of the heart project, as I mentioned last week, they are now altering the climate to make this a tropical environment so that they can culture more bacteria. Because they have already figured out, and, and there's a scientist, and I've, I've emailed it, I hope you all can confirm it, scientists from South Africa who admitted that they had put together teams of scientists who were studying the human body for black people only and what level bacteria attack us where it don't attack them and that they had succeeded in making certain types of bacteria to go into foods that we like. And in the, in the article in the internet, they actually list the kind of foods and they know that we like. And if, this, and if these bacteria have been put in there and it's already inside our body. It may sound crazy, but go, because I know what time you don't believe me, check it out. Go ask him. Go look at the computer. They are revealing right now about these diseases that are already in my and your body. The reason why we don't know it is because we're all sick. We're all having this metal taste in our mouth. We're all having this nasal drip. We're all getting these repeated headaches all the time. This happens to everybody. We're getting this time where we just don't want to eat the food that we like. We're getting these flashes of nausea. And then a woman says, I think I'm pregnant. Find out she ain't pregnant. Well, they've already put the bacteria in the air. Not just in the water. They know the food you like. They know the restaurants you frequent. They know your style. They gave it to your kids in school. They gave it to your relatives in the hospital. They gave it to your brothers and sisters in the military. You both, we found out that they don't eat what we eat. All you have to do is spend some time with a Caucasian family and you'll find they don't eat the same things you eat. They don't drink the same liquids you drink. You hear me? They have all that stuff prepared to break you down because you're at a point in time's time where you're metamorphosizing from a mortal into a god. That sounds crazy because of what they did to your mind with the fanatical monotheistic beliefs. And the word monotheistic comes from an ancient Greek god called monos of sarcasm and pain. Look it up. Monotheos means sarcastic, painful theories. And that's what it's based on. If you don't believe what I believe, you're going to hell. If you ain't a Baptist and get dumped in some water reptilian for salvation, you're going to hell. If you ain't a Muslim and say, La ilaha illallah, Allah is going to send you to hell until you ask him, where is hell? 
or simply wasn't where it held. Exactly where is it, Mr. Muslim man? Exactly where is it? Well, it's down. No, it ain't down here. Scientists that went straight through the planet. No, it ain't down here. Well, where is heaven? Up there. How far? They say heaven is further than the furthest star. And one, of, and one of the nearest stars are millions of light years away. But see, when they talk like that, we don't have a clue. We stop there because we don't like math. Millions of light years. Yes, say, what is a light year? The distance light can travel in a year. How fast does light travel? 186,000 watts. And based on the year of 265, you're 5 trillion miles away. Where, and now the nearest star, the nearest star is 100 million light years away. So you know how long it would get to heaven? Jesus is still on his way. <laughs> Scientifically, he's not even halfway there. <laughs> you understand? You may not like the way that sounds, but when they speak of this as a new age, and they try to make belonging to new age religions, as they call it, something cultish, no. New age means, like Jesus said, it's time for a new age, a new era, new information. Reverend, come down off the pulpit, because you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Time for you to move out the way. وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحكي والمجدد لمن مرسلين Dr. Malachi Z. York have devoted his visit to this planet to the resurrection of the mentally dead which he affectionately referred to it as mummies. Never did he know that the evil one had done such a great job with these people both mentally and physically as to have them hate self and kind. His greatest dilemma and hindrance has been the black devil born amongst you and by you, married to you, socializing with you, praying in the same sacred houses of worship as you. But secretly, they have a spiritual pact with the devil, which makes it near impossible for them to total surrender to Nawapu. But for the few chosen from the many calls, he sifts to find those beings that wish to become one with the Supreme in all. So he, the Supreme Grand Harifant, Amun Nebi, Red Akhtar, as known throughout the mystical schools, the incarnation of Tehuti, Thoth, student of the great tomb known as Atumre, the first point of resurrection from ignorance to the right knowledge, the right wisdom, and the right understanding. Dr. Malachi Z. York has blended in with each of the religions most interesting to his people. He has lived as one of them, practiced as one of them, in order to reveal the misconceptions of these doctrines that have plagued and diseased the minds of his people. Among the Arabs of al-Islam in the degree of Mohammedism, he was known as Asayyad Isa al-Hadi al-Makti, or simply Imam Isa. Being fluent in the many dialects as well as the classical Arabic language, he translated word for word without biasness in favor of the Islamic religion, the Quran, from Syriac Arabic into English. He sat beneath the great Shahuf as a student, one of which was Mahmud Muhammad Mahmud, and the great master, Karama Shak al-Hussan of the Kalawatiya order of Sufis out of Sudan as a Mahdiya or Ansar. As a Moorish American under Noble Jew Ali as M. York L., he republished and revised the Holy Quran, Circle 7. 
Their connection with the NOI, Nation of Islam, known as the Black Muslims, encouraged him to do an in-depth study of the teachings of Master W.D. Fard, a law in person, to his final messenger, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He released several books explaining in depth their doctrine, which led him to another ex-member of the Nation of Islam called Clarence 13X, a self-styled Allah who founded the 5% Nation of Gods and Goddesses. Dr. York collected data and published the Problem Book, their interpretation of the English class lessons of the Nation of Islam. Amongst the Hebrew Israelites, while in the degree of Mosesism, he was known as Rabboni Yahshua Bar El-Hadi. As a Hebrew, he was bar mitzvahed by the great Rabbi Matthews of Harlem. Through the school of Judaism, he translated the Torah and the Psalms from the ancient Hebrew into English. Amongst the Christians, in the degree of Christism, he was known as Reverend Malachi D. York, or Dr. York, pastor and founder of the Egyptian Church of Karath, Christ, through the school of Christism. He translated and explained the book of Revelation from Galilean Arabic and the ancient Greek. In this day and time, he received the new holy tablet, our own scripture that each day, as scientists, astronomers, and the like, uncover new evidence confirming that it was indeed divinely inspired. And it's not merely a book, but a revelation, a holy scripture with prophecies of the future which are manifesting daily. Also, he translated the book of the coming forth by day called the Egyptian Book of the Dead from hieroglyphics as Amanubita Akata. He also released a series of books called Behind the Nine Ball and Bible Interpretations and Explanations. He felt it was his duty as the true reformer and savior to his people to make that which is unclear, clear. He have also revealed the doctrine of those called the Hebrew Israelites and the like with a series of books called 360 Questions to Ask and three volumes of over 1,000 pages, each entitled The Degree of Mosesism, The Degree of Christism, and Degree of Mohammedism covering any question that anyone could have pertaining to any of the three monotheistic religions. He has also traveled the rough and rugged path of Freemasonry and have arrived at the imperial grand potentate internationally of the ancient Arabic and Oriental order, nobles of the mystic shrine, New Mecca Temple, number 11, and IGP of AEO and NMS al Mahdi Temple, Northern and Southern Jurisdiction, the Worshipful Master of Nuwabian Grand Lodge, AF and AM, also Deputy Grand Master Pride of Georgia Grand Lodge, AF and AM, 33rd Scottish Rite Freemason of Amos Grand Lodge of Macon, Georgia. He entered the Order of the Acacia under the Most Worshipful Master, the illustrious Charles Tinsley, 33rd degree at King Solomon's Lodge, number four of Brooklyn, New York, the Grand Enoch Lodge in Brooklyn, New York, on Putnam and Nostrum Avenue, Prince Hall affiliated, and of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite Freemasonry, AF and AM jurisdiction of Georgia, called Zerubbabel, Grand Chapter, Royal Arch, Mason, United States and Canada. His travels took him throughout the world from sitting with the mystics and the monks under the Tibetan master, Lama Mutkukuma of China, to the Grand Lodge in Cairo, Egypt, Northeast Africa, 
to being a member of the Rosicrucian Order since 1974, as well as Astara Mystic Order since 1975 AD for more than 25 years. As the Supreme Grand Hierophant of the Ancient Egyptian Order, AEO, Mir Number no. 9, his family has been Freemasons for generations in Virginia's then Shriners Temple Number no. 122, Newport News, Virginia, and Daughters of Isis, then Court Number no. 98, Prince Hall affiliated. He stepped on to the White Lodge Freemasonry from the Black Egyptian mystery as Tahuti, Thoth, called Hermes, thrice times great, the possessor of the Master's Key keeper of the secret word to become a Haru, Horus, a companion of the great Hierophant, I am Hotep, the scribe of the secret doctrine, conferrer of the 720 degrees in the secret number nine, and the guardian of the ninth gate, raising from the ninth chamber the secret, which will give you the power to rely on yourselves. He was there, which is here, when the word, let there be light, was uttered. He has stood the test of time. He has been questioned by scholars and historians of all religions and denominations. Dr. Malachi Z. York is capable of answering the unanswered and solving the problems of the world. Yet, his personal interest is in each and every one of you. He says, I am not a holy man or a preacher. I am a master teacher. He has resurrected in the West the ancient fraternity, AEO, with healing in his wings the spiritual order of our ancestors, the Egyptians, and your true bloodline under the reincarnation of Natir Amanubita Akata, your Aferti, Pharaoh, for this day and time, Atumre. He have experienced all the religions and sacred orders, and now bring you the ancient Egyptian order, AEO, the true order of the Egyptians, that which gave birth to all others, and in this day and time has become the fastest growing movement for world peace of the new millennium. You have found your way to that which you have sought all your life. And now, I introduce to you the man of the hour, Dr. Malachi Z. York. Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes? All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujaddah, the reformer. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, Aaron, seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. Psalms 23.1. Can you, can you uh, translate this, Imam? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. Can you give me this interpretation right here? Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Wait a minute. I'm with you. First of all, let's establish who's talking. Right? Because this is what happens with Christians. They don't do that. This is David talking. Right. Now, why did David say this? You know why you don't understand? Huh? No, because don't. you're a good student. Now I'm going to show you how you're missing something. When I show it to you, you're going to go, oh, yeah, and I told you to do this. Go back one chapter. What's the chapter? 21? 22? Yeah, 22 is usually before 23. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What's the first line? Oh, my God, my God, why did I forsake? My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? David is making a proclamation here that Christians say that Matthew 27:46 belongs exclusively to Jesus when he was on the cross. They say when Jesus got ready to die, if anybody turns their Bible to Matthew 27:46, where they say Jesus was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me, right? right? But a lot of Christians don't know that that was not Jesus' statement. That man on the cross was quoting David. Now look at Psalms 22 and ask the Christian to explain to us or you how Psalms 22, chapter 1, has the exact same statement as Matthew 27:46. Have somebody read Matthew 27:46. At about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani?" That is to say, "My God, My God, why hast thou forsaken me?" Now they say that's Jesus. Now, let's go back to the year 460 B.C.E. 460 years before the Christian era, not before Christ, to get to Matthew 27, 26. And now we go to Psalms 22, when they say, this is the Psalm of David to the chief musician, right? Ageless, Shahar. These are names that this psalm was ascribed to. And David is saying, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? David was crucified on the cross. That's, that's you understand? Yeah, that's what I told you. Now, I just, want, I just want to go on with you. I mean, if they need more, I mean, it tells you in this quote. If you read this whole thing, right. it'll tell you about them casting his lots, and it tells you in there that they bound his feet, they nailed him. It tells you in Psalms 22 that David was nailed on a cross, and they, they cast a lot over his garment, and then 40, I think it's uh, 44 picks it up again, is it? And discusses it again. Now let's go to you what you want to know. Now that you understand what preceded it, right? Right. Now let's see what David says. He says, Arab. Or the sustainer is my shepherd. Right. I shall not want. I have no needs. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He's talking about heaven now. The Quran clearly speaks about the green pastures and right. beneath them are still waters flowing, right? Right. He restoreth my soul. Remember when Jesus was supposed to be on the cross, and he said, Father, Father it is over. Right. Under your hands I send my soul. At death you get your soul restored. 
He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now he talks of his experience. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff do comfort me. The rod where I'll be chastised for what I have done wrong, and the staff where I will be guided for what I have done right. David knew he had did some great sins. And if you read the scripture, you'll find out. David was not, you know, what we call Muhammad, a perfect example. Okay? Right. Then he says, Thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You follow that? He had, when, when he was there dying on the cross, when he was there suffering, the Lord still prepared Maida, as they say about Jesus in the fifth chapter of the Quran, the table. He spread out the table for him. What else? Thou anointed my head with oil. You have made me a Messiah. Christians don't want to see that. They look in their Bible dictionary under the word Messiah or Christ. They'll find out it translates anointed. You have made me your anointed. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. I have so many. So many bountiful blessings from you. My cup is running over, David says. Right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And what did he say? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's talking about now that he's going to die. Goodness and mercy follow him all the days of his life. And now that he's going to die, he's going to spend that time in Jannah. You understand? But if people would only read the chapter before it, they'll see that it's talking about him dying on the cross. Okay? Shikra. Okay, now you yeah, keep attention now. You got a lot of work out there. I want to know, are we the only planet cursed with the devil and, and demons? No. All right. No. You're, you're the only one where you have allowed the devil to incarnate through you physically as well as mentally and are still breeding their seed. See, if you go back... In the, in the books of Genesis, you'll find that in Genesis chapter 3, you'll find that when the serpent was being, you know, type mess up. You'll find out that when the devil and the woman will receive in their judgment in the third chapter and the 15th verse of Genesis, it says, I will put enmity between thee, talking to the devil, and the woman, talking about Eve. That's all who existed then, right? And then the next thing says, and between what? Between that seed. Your seed and her seed. her seed. This woman was Eve. And we, as according to the Quran, are the descendants of Adam. Made into many hues and colors and shapes and races. Came, but we all came out of Adam and Hawa. And the devil has a seed also there. Not just a spiritual, but a physical nesala seed. Now, man is doing everything that Abraham and all of them was told not to do in the same book of Genesis. Not to mix their seed with the Canaanites amongst whom they dwell. So, um, Abraham says in 15, it tells us in 15, 13, where our seed would be. Someone read it. And he said unto Abram, know of a surety that that seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for 400 years. 
and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards, they shall come out with great substance. And Genesis 24:3, read that. And I will make thee swear by the sustainer, the creator of heaven and the creator of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among, among whom I dwell. So, and this goes on. Abraham did it. Isaac did it. Told his sons not to marry. Jacob told his sons not to marry him. And some of them intermarried anyway. This is the seed of Satan. People on earth are willfully breeding the seed of the devil on earth. If I on this planet. The answer to your question is, yes, other galaxies are plagued by what you call the devil, and he takes on many different forms according to the species of that galaxy. So was uh, Iblis, Iblis was the first cast down, right? To Earth. To Earth. You're only talking about the planet Earth. Because but, you, go ahead. But others rebelled before him. Definitely. If you read the book on Nebi Noah, the prophet Noah, I give a total explanation on that. Fall of the angels. Okay. And all the hoof covering. If you read the 12th chapter of Revelation, uh, the 7th verse, it talks about that fall. Read it. Revelation 12, 7. 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Okay. I'd just like to know the, um, the, where in the Holy Quran is, uh, is the Mahdi described physically. You will not see any place in the Holy Quran where the Mahdi, Muhammad Ahmed, is described physically. You will not see anywhere in the Holy Quran where the Prophet Muhammad is described physically. Allah doesn't take time out to do things like that. You will find in the writings of men about the Quran, which Muslims refer to as the Hadith, where they describe Muhammad physically, and there is also an abundance of recognized Hadith or Sahih where they describe the Mahdi. But you will not find a description of any of them in the Quran, none of the prophets. Okay, can I have a, an example of where that someone did ask me, because um, I, I spoke about the marks and I would like to know where. I did a whole book called The Call of the Mahdi, a little pamphlet. When you leave outside the door, tell them I said to give you a copy of The Call of the Mahdi and about the Ratib for free. Thank you. All right? Salam. Um, I would like to know um, how uh, first of all, Hebrew, right? You says the meaning of it to cross over, right? Um, how did it become a language? That's a good question. Now watch. The people in England speak what? English. The people in France? French. See that? Now, how about cuneiform, the language? How come they're not calling the, the language of the Egyptians uh, Egyptian, they call it hieroglyphics. You see that? How come they're not calling the language of the Babylonians, Babylonian, they call it cuneiform. The man-made languages are named after places. The original languages are named after incidents. I'll give you a perfect example. The word Arabic comes from the word Arab. 
to roam from place to place like a Bedouin. The people said those people who roam from place to place, they would be called Arabs and they speak Arabic. Those people who crossed over the Tigris-Euphrates Valley, they were Hebrew or Ibra, so their language must be Hebrew. <laughs> you see what happened? Hebrew is Arabic. It's the exact same language. And it should be called Adamic, really. It should be named after Adam. The name Arabic or Hebrew is really describing the people and something they did that's not really the name of a language. There is no name for a language, really. Think about what your question. There really is no name of a language at all. You understand what I mean? So, um, how are all the languages in Africa? You know, there's a lot of, like... Those are dialects. And they come about by... What's that thing you have around your neck? Africa. See? You didn't say a pendant or a necklace. You called it Africa. So you just added something new. It is the map of Africa. You're right. But you didn't say it is a pendant, you see, with the map of Africa. So now as people move off into the bush and they see new fruits, new vegetables, and they describe things different ways and how they go about doing things, eventually, after uh, hundreds of years, this graphs into a dialect. And now if they're speaking a certain language that they got while in Babylon, by the time they get to Africa, generations after generations, the pronunciation gets weak. For instance, in the nation of Islam, they used to get up and say, I greet you in the Arabic language. Assalamu alaikum. And all Americans now walk up to us and say, Assalamu alaikum. There's no such thing as Assalamu alaikum. It's Assalamu alaikum. But until you learn how to speak it properly, you will have the American dialect of Arabic. Y'all don't say naam. Y'all go naam. Y'all don't say bismillahi. Y'all go bismillah. Eventually, if you train your children, they can perfect the pronunciation. But most of you people, you don't say Muhammad, you say Muhammad and Abdullah. You understand what I'm saying? And Islam. These are natural dialects. Eventually, if you spoke fluent Arabic, you'd have an American dialect of Arabic that an Arab would have a difficult time understanding. Y'all could be rattling on back and forth and everybody understand you. Just like a brother comes from the mountains of Jamaica and has been living up in the mountains of his life and comes to New York or go, and goes to Georgia, or, I mean, the better goes, comes to, American goes down to Georgia, Alabama, and starts talking to them, to them, they might think, bro, is speaking another whole language. Now, to him, they're speaking with this country draw, with y'alls and down the road of peace. And as far as he's concerned, they're speaking another language because the environment produced uh, dialects out of the same language. That's all you're talking about. So Arabic and Hebrew are nothing but dialects of Syretic, the ancient language. And that Syretic was named after the place, Ashur, or Syria, where Abraham lived. Okay? Good afternoon again, Imam. Uh, I don't know. My name is Randy George. And uh, I, I want to know what name I should, I should take as an, uh, in Arabic. What should I call myself? Or what can I call myself to make you know, my name? I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just looking you know? at you. I understand what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just looking at you. Yeah, because here, here I am uh, speaking English. 
Yes, I, if I believe in, in, in what I'm being taught, I have to know at least what, why I'm being taught this. If I, uh, or since I have to, in a sense, be reconverted myself uh, to, to Islam. And you have to re-study and relearn. Yes, I understand that. Your name is Idris. 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 <laughs> uh, it sounds like English to me, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's Arabic. It's mm -hmm. Idris, and it comes from the word Darrasa, one who studies and has to learn about himself. I quite understand you now, much, much better. So your Thank name you. is Idris Abdullah Muhammad. I understand you much, much better. Okay. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Um, I came to class a few weeks ago, oh, about four weeks ago probably, and I asked a question concerning the book of Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3, and it says, Allah came from Timan, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Sila. And I was questioning, what did they mean by, you know, they say God, but we know Allah. I was wondering what they mean by Allah came from Timan. I had a confrontation with one of Farrakhan's followers over this. All right, this is a book revealed in Judea, in 628, right? Timan, when they speak about this, they're speaking about the same thing we teach in Islam, when we say that Muhammad is the comforter and that is the Holy Ghost. You follow that? No. They would say that if you came from, let's say, Mecca to an a infidel country and you brought Allah's teachings, that's the same as a Hebrew expression that they're saying God came from Timan and the Holy One. The Holy One here is the Prophet Muhammad. And they use Mount Paran. If you do a research on Paran, it's the word Faran. And Faran is Mecca. That's the ancient name of the city of Mecca. And they tell you right there that he is a Silah, which they said the scepter would be passed into his hands when Jacob made the covenant about the comforter. And they speak about Muhammad as a comforter. They say that he is, in St. John, they say the comforter who is the Holy Spirit. You see, so he had the spirit of Allah moving in him the same way Allah says he put his spirit into Jesus. So in this sense of God does not mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It means Muhammad came out of, out of Mecca with the word of Allah. You, you follow? He was the Holy One. He was the Silah or the one, the Shiloh, the one that the scepter would be passed into. That's all they're talking about. So when they speak of God in here, they're actually talking about Prophet Muhammad? No, nope, they're talking about the message he brought. No. God came from Timah and the Holy One. See, God, Muhammad brought the message of Allah. No, because is there some way I could assimilate that to the brother, like um, when Donald Elijah Muhammad says that um, Allah came in the person of Master Fraud Muhammad? Would it yes. Be? I don't have no argument with that. I don't have, I don't, I don't argue. Me and Minister Louis Farrakhan get along quite well. I don't argue with them saying that uh, Allah came, this is close. Allah came into the personage of Master Farah Muhammad. That don't bother me, because I understand what he, I understand what they're saying. And they tell me that Master Farah Muhammad is Allah who created the heavens and the earth, then I'll laugh. Because then I'll ask him, what was he standing on? Because right. he's a man. You understand what I'm trying to say? No. But if they say he came into the personage of Master Farah Muhammad, I don't doubt that a man can be inspired by the spirit of Allah to do a great work in America. And thus you say that Allah came into the personage of Master Fra Muhammad. Allah came into the personage of Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Allah came into the personage of 
uh, Rasulullah Muhammad. Allah came into the person of Jesus and made him his Messiah. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? No. I have no problems with it. That's why if you read that Article 12 on the back of Muhammad speakers, under Article 12, read it close, you see that he says, also the Messiah of the Christians and the Mahdi of the Muslims. So he knew that Allah Muhammad knew that Allah, Messiah, and Mahdi was not the same. He was saying, according to what the Christians was looking for, this is him. According to what the Muslims in the East are looking for, this is him. This man is the supreme being. And then in his book, Message to the Black Man, he breaks down what he means by supreme being. He says a being is a mortal thing. And he gives a full chapter on the meaning of God as a spirit and God as a man. And he says he's real, he breathes, he has hands, he's so-and-so, and so-and-so. So he's defining Master Farah Muhammad as a human being who has been inspired by the spirit of Allah and that he was the wisest man in his time. He said what a supreme being is, is the wisest man in his time. All men are God, he said. Or that's what he says. Who are you, the Asiatic black man, maker, owner, cream of the planet, follower of civilization, and God of the universe. So he said that all black men are God because we all have the spirit of the Most High in us. And he says that by saying God of the universe. That's how you know he's saying the spirit of Allah is in us because you're on earth. You're not in the universe presently. So the spirit must be working from the universe into you. So Allah was very clear. It's people after him who misinterpreted their teachings because they wanted to make him look like he was a blasphemer. They wanted to make him look like he was an idol worshiper because the pale Arabs brainwash them into trying to destroy another great black leader. That's the key. Don't let the black man in America have any black leaders that they can refer to. So every time we get a black leader, we get Elhaj Malik Shabazz, they say he turned against Elijah Muhammad, he banned him, and everybody stopped liking him. Noble Ali, they got him down. Marcus Garvey, they got him down. Every leader, now look at poor Jesse Jackson. He was on his way up there and they made him Tom out. You know what I'm saying? Now, if we was to invent our money, whose picture would we put on it? Tugman? And we would have our money. See, the white man got his money. And on his money, he puts his great leaders, right? Look in your pocket. If you don't believe me, take out any money and see. So if we was ever to become an independent nation and had our money, whose picture would we put on it? Nobody. Nobody, because the white man manages, after each one of our great leaders, by the time they leave, he always defames them. Oh, Elijah Muhammad had sex with all his secretaries. You know what I mean? Jimmy Swagger had sex with a prostitute. And he's still preaching. See, the white man has a way of defaming us and stripping us of our leadership. Because without a, a direction to lead the children, there's no hierarchy. There's an inferiority complex being constantly drilled into our kids. They are under white teachers and white presidents and white kings. And everybody in history was white. And, and, and um, angel food caters white and devil food caters black. And devil dogs are black and etc. and etc. Bad guy wears a black suit. Good guy wears a white suit. You know what I mean? And the white man is trying again to destroy the image of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So we won't have any black men that ever did anything great that didn't do it in his name. See, that's the key. If they do it like him, if, he, if they're Uncle Tom, and they do it the way the white man says, then they want us to idolize them. But if he's someone who did not do it, he did not rub the white man's fur the right way, then he destroy his image before he's out of office, and he turn us against him, and then we'll take down the messenger's picture. You should teach your children about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and put the picture up in your house and say, that is one of your great black leaders, one of the founding fathers of Islam in America. You understand what I'm saying? And he did this, 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 because you can't find a black man, Marcus Garvey, Noble Drawley, or any of the knuckleheads out there today that can match what that man did in America. 
I mean, and especially during the time that he came to do it in. Am I right? You're right. Think of when he came. When the Klan was hanging black people. Nowadays, after the 60s, we can tell a white man, better bug out. I'm saying, we can change. We got a new attitude. Back then, black people couldn't do that. They get killed right on the street, and nobody would say nothing. So the messenger, as he's called by his fathers, had a very serious job to do. You understand what I'm saying? Don't let the white man pull this old dead jive stuff on us and pull down another great black man, and then we hide our leaders, and he keeps putting new pictures on the dollar bill. The so-called Jew traveled all over the world trying to find men that were responsible for what they call the Holocaust, right? Am I right? Yes or no? That's right. They chased these men down, 60, 70 years old, and try to hang a 70-year-old man. Or hang him to death. Correct? Correct. I agree. One of them. But who's chasing down the men that flew the plane and gave the order to bomb Hiroshima and kill millions and millions and millions of the Japanese? How come they're not being trialed for war crimes? Because that was still war. Right. And they went over there and dropped bombs. You understand? and flattened people, melted buildings, killed dogs, pets, babies, everything. But they got awards in America. They got a button pinned on them and said they did something great by killing millions of Japanese people. That was an award. But the so-called German Jew is hunting these people around for the same war period and hanging men 60 and 70 years old. Old man, he's going to die in a week anyway. They want to keep him alive long enough so that they can kill him. And you don't see that that is a treacherous, low-life nature? When you take an 80-year-old man and hang him, he's going to be dead in a week anyway. You go, they put him, they took a, one of them German Jews, they took him and put him in the hospital and kept him alive so they could hang him. The man was dying from heart trouble, and they kept him alive just so they can hang him. That is sick. That is really sick. You understand me? That's a dangerous mentality. Don't let them pull that stuff. Don't try to get conflicts going between what me and Minister Farrakhan believe. Oh, definitely not. We got to get our heads together. You know why? Because all we got is us. I constantly try to keep in touch. I know two brothers from the temple, and we, we've had meetings and conversations. And Don't get into conversations. You know why? Because neither one of y'all are equipped to solve the problem. You're too young in the doctrine yet to really understand. Right. What's happening? And y'all can end up enemies because you want to be right. Because you know how we are. We love to be right. We be right when we know we're wrong. Stand there, walk by. I know I'm right. I know I was right anyway. Know you're wrong. Black people love to be right. And it's not worth it at this day and time. The bottom line is, Minister Louis Farrakhan is trying to gather black people in America to get ready for whatever is going to come down on us. We better be ready for it. And we're going to need each other. Regardless of the differences in our doctrine, we need each other. And I realize that, and he realizes that. And we're trying to get them Sunni Muslim brothers to realize that them brothers in Saudi Arabia and Islam are not the least concerned. And as long as these Sunni Muslim leaders keep letting these Saudi Arabians pay their rent, they can dictate what they teach their children. They can't even get mad, because I was in a meeting, and they even, they, they're so knuckleheads that they didn't even know I was sitting there. They hate me so much that I was sitting in the meeting, they didn't even know I was there. That's how dumb they are. And you know, you know what I heard the Arabs tell Siraj while I was in the meeting? You, you can't give the kutbah because you don't know enough Arabic for the park they had for the, the last uh, Ramadan that they had. They told him, 
You're, you're an imam for the Americans, but you're not qualified to give a khutbah because you don't know enough Arabic. Then they leaned over and started talking to each other in Arabic. You know what they said? These American Negroes are really funny. This is their saying in Arabic right in the mosque. This Palestinian imam up on Masjid Puruki, they call him. We're sitting up there, I'm sitting up there looking at them, and they're like, the uh, Palestinians are saying, this, must, this is a Sudanese, so I'm all right with them. But the Sunnis who hate me, who look at my picture in a million books, sitting there looking right at me and couldn't see me. Damn, hate blinded them. I mean, I mean, that means they really must dislike me, and I love the heck out of them, because I'm the only one standing up and saying, Arabs and everybody who don't care about black people in America, if you don't care about my people, if you care about us, spend some of those millions of dollars building universities teaching our children Arabic, instead of buying yachts for your daughters. The way the white man throws up a building in Bedford Stuyvesant in one year, you understand? They be throwing up houses, they call low-income housing. If the Arabs really cared about the Sunni Muslims, he would take Bedford Avenue where they got all their minds. But one mosque on Bedford Avenue, and that's the African Islamic Mission, Masjid Jamia, because they're part of us. The people you see in the green and the gold. All the rest of them guys up and down there ain't got a dime. All together. You think the men would get together and put their money together so they can provide some food, clothes, and shelter for their women? No. Got sisters living in shelters. Brothers marrying sisters, not giving them their dowry and then divorcing them. And they have the nerve to call us cap and say we ain't Muslim. They ain't living none of the Islamic tenets of the Sunnah. They talk about answers. They don't, they racist. We're racist, but one thing is for sure, our children are eating every night. Our women have rules over their heads. We don't, we, our shoes ain't ran down. We're paying our bills. We don't, we don't own nobody anything. The white man can't do nothing for us because we don't rent. We own. You understand what I'm trying to say? That's building a nation. And that's something we picked up by listening to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Because if I would have listened to them orthodox Sunni Muslims that I used to sit up under in State Street, I'd be doing the same thing they're doing on Eastern Parkway, starving to death. But I listened, and this, let me listen to this man here, Honorable Elijah Muhammad. He knows what he's talking about. Let me listen to him about do something for yourself. And we and Saul started doing for ourselves, and this day we're able to say, see what we got in the name of Allah? Arabs ain't give us one dime, and they've tried. They call me to meetings. You know what I tell them? Bug off. I, literally. Imam Isa, we'd like for you to come to Saudi Arabia. Uh, we're having a, a meeting of Imams. I said, is any Americans going to be there? Did it, you know? Yes. Is, is uh. Wallace D. Muhammad going to be there? Yeah. He's, is he an imam? Yes. Then I don't belong there. Because if that's what you classify as an imam, I don't belong there. If, if Saraj Wahaj, you can't speak Arabic as an imam, I don't belong there. They learn four surahs from some Pakistanian book, now they're imams of the Quran. I don't want to be around these kind of people. Because I don't want to have to say I agree with them and then change my educational program to theirs and then my kids stop learning Arabic. Because if I comply with them, I'm going to have to agree with all their programs. And their programs are showing me that their kids ain't studying nothing. So what am I going to do? Make my children stop learning Quran because they don't want to pay their bills? I can't do that. Don't let these people divide us. Spend time trying to tell the Sunni Muslims, don't like us. Get your program together. We better start working together. You ain't got to listen to me. And I won't listen to you. Let's listen to the Quran. Let's make a point that whenever we get into the argument, it must be in the Quran, not in the Hadith. Because that gets into arguments. Let's go to the Quran. And if you don't want to touch the Quran, then I don't even want to talk to you. If you want to bring me a whole bunch of books by men, and I'm telling you to read the Kitab Allah, and you talk about Hadith, I say Kitab Allah, but in the Hadith, Kitab Allah, but in the Hadith, then there's something wrong with you. You understand? But you people better get your leaders back up and talk about them. Talk about Marcus Darby. You know what I'm writing these books for? 
So y'all can go out there and say, Marcus Garvey did this and this and this. And Noble Jewali, he was a, and Marcus Garvey was a Muslim. And Noble Jewali was a Muslim. And they killed Dr. Martin Luther King because he went to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad converted him. His last meeting with Honorable Elijah Muhammad when he came back and said, I had a dream. I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen it. Why he said, what is he talking about? You look at the last tape, you see everybody standing around him dressed in white. Right. They ain't standing around no suit and ties. They right. standing around dressed in white with tall gears on their heads. They don't look like no Christians to me standing there. Look like a bunch of hamsters standing around Dr. Martin Luther King. The white man said, he been to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and he got millions of followers? Kill him. Forget civil rights and peace marches and all other beautiful things that Dr. Martin Luther King was standing for, because he stood for a lot of beautiful things. But he meant well, he, meant, he had a good heart. When he said everybody can sit together, he, that's a beautiful thought. White man don't feel like that, but it's a beautiful thought that everybody on earth can become one family and stop killing and, and taking from each other. But if you think the United States is going to agree with that and then give half its revenue to India so they can starve, you're crazy. If you think they're going to share the wealth of America with people in Ethiopia, you're crazy. He's not going to go back to eating hamburgers. So that, and, and from steak, so some Ethiopians can have food on their table. He don't do that. He just give them some grain. And if he's interested in helping the people, he wouldn't give them grain. What would he do? He would cultivate the land over there and show them how to grow their own food. But if I keep giving you grain, that means you got to keep depending on me. He knows what he's doing. You know why? Because he's a devil, weak and wicked. And his trials and tribulations are to destroy the sons of Allah, you. That's all he stands for. Is destruction of everybody else on this planet. You understand? So don't let them do that to you. When you're the brother of the nation, I'm talking, say, wait, we are not going to argue this time. We're going we're gonna to hold hands and we're going to walk together. You understand? So people will see the unity in us. We're not going to fight anymore. And if you have a difference in opinion, have a difference, we, let's, not, let's, let's do everything in our power to avoid that. So I can meet you on Salaam Alaikum or Alaikum Salaam. And I can leave you and we pray together and we'll, and we'll talk together about Quran and read it, but no debate on who God is and what you think God is, because none of y'all know what you're talking about. The bottom line, and Minister Farrakhan has a mission he's on in the name of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and I got to learn to respect that, because me and him going to need each other when the white man comes down. He ain't going to say, these are the answers, so don't hit them. Only hit the ones that are, and if you sisters and brothers in there with that Negro mentality think that the white man ain't going to hit you upside your head because you ain't a Muslim, you got another thing coming. The white man ain't into that stuff. He sees us as just a little more fanatical than you. He going to hit you upside your jerry curls too. He going to slap them false eyelashes off you. You can try to look white and try to be Christian. When the white man started spraying down south, you know what he was telling them? Them brothers told him, all we want to do is cross this bridge to go to the church to pray down south. You know what them crackers told him? You ain't praying to my God. My God wouldn't recognize your prayer. This really took place down there in Alabama. Literally, it's on tape. That's how them crackers see you. So you were born again Christian and you worship Jesus and that cracker will take that stick and whip your head without a second thought. We better get together, we better get organized, and we better start doing things for ourselves. We better start respecting each other for what we are. Stop badgering each other and trying to find faults with each other and always trying to destroy each other. We better get them, get them silly frowns off your face. You ain't got nothing to worry about. Somebody cares about you. You survived slavery, Junior. Somebody cares about you upstairs. After all you've been through, you still can spell your name. 
Fly people should be walking around grinning, rejoicing and being exceedingly glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. Because all the prophets before you were also persecuted for righteous name's sake. Y'all should be happy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has found way to give you noble Jali, Martin Garvey, the honorable Elijah, Muhammad, Sheikh Daoud. I mean, so many leaders that have come to try to uplift this, not this nation. Us. You understand what I mean? Are y'all with me? No. We should be happy he cared that much about us. Let me give you a little inclination. The white man was stuffing pork in you, right? And Allah had us eating watermelon. The white man used to make fun out of black people eating watermelon. Now he found out that watermelon flushes the stomach. <laughs> so while the devil was making, forcing us to eat that filthy pig, Allah had a joke being made about us eating watermelon. The watermelon was keeping us from getting our systems destroyed. So that this day, when the light came, our dome can handle it. Because you look at some brothers from years ago, and you try to hold a conversation with them, and they're gone, mentally gone. They can't even hold a straight conversation. You ought to be happy that you're intelligent enough to still learn, to make decisions for yourself, and stop giving yourself over to him. Throw Jerry out your house. <laughs> stop trying to look white. Look at Oprah Wimpy. Look at her. I mean, come on. Who's she for? How's she going to talk black if they're trying to look white? Be yourself. Y'all are the most beautiful people in the world. If, if you wasn't, everybody wouldn't be trying to look like me and you. Here we are trying to put white powder on our face and white people are laying on the beach trying to get back. Here we are straightening our hair and they're getting their hair curled. White kids want an afro so bad they don't know what to do with themselves. I've seen white people in Jamaica trying to wear dreads. It looks like a dead poodle's on their head. Looks matted. They want dreads. They want anything. They want color. They want lips now. They're getting shots in their lips so that they can have lips. Years ago, they were making fun of our big lips and our bulging eyes. Now they got eyeshadow and eyeliner and to make their eyes look bigger and silicone shots to make their lips look bigger. Yet they say they hate the Africans and how we are so ugly. Everybody in the world know we the most beautiful people in the world because they know God got this many different shades of colors of flowers in it. A white person is a white person. He looks as only thing you can liken him to is an uncooked sausage. That's the only thing. And I, mean, I heard Brother Malcolm say, that black is the only color that can produce every other color, and white can't produce no color. It's the absence of color. And the absence of color means the absence of mood, because colors create moods. <laughs> That's why they can't dance. Because with the absence of mood, there's the absence of soul. With the absence of soul, there's the absence of rhythm. With the absence of rhythm, there's the absence of coordination. Go to Africa, they be playing three different drums with three different hands, patting their foot, moving four limbs at the same time. White people say, wow, they're colorful people. We got a whole lot in the name of Allah to be proud of as a people. We may not have much money, but we'll sit on our stoop, take an oatmeal can, turn it upside down, and bung go away. We can be suffering, but we'll find something to laugh about. You understand what I'm saying? We are great people. We have a very good spirit. We have good karma, as they say. And all the stuff we've been through, we are good people. And you know what's so bad? All the stuff the white man did to us, we still like it. And don't try to tell me you don't. Because it ain't in you to dislike people, because you are just like your heavenly father. A white woman will fall down in front of you and you'll feel sorry for her. And so would I. Because it just ain't in us to be as hateful as we pretend to be. 
If you see an old white woman, you stop shaking your head back. I see you. If you see an old white woman fall down and hurt herself on the street, you'd care. Don't tell me you wouldn't care. Now you sit there and tell me if you saw this old woman fall, you wouldn't care. Not even a little bit. You know it's in you because you got the presence of God in you. With all they've done, they've kicked us, spat on us, hang us, raped us, killed us. He I mean, he emasculated us. He did everything to us. And still, black people come to that mic and say, well, if a white person asked to move in, would you let them? <laughs> they do. They still come and say, if they asked, would you let them? You know why? Because we are a merciful people. That's why. We are a merciful people. We are created like our creator. And that's what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was trying to say. When he said that we all are the sons of God. We are God. That's what he was trying to say. He was not trying to say we are Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He, he knew you didn't create nothing. And the Quran said if you think you can, let's see you create one little gnat. Only thing Negroes created was a lot of disturbances. He knew that. He, he, wasn't, he couldn't have been as intelligent as he was to raise a dead nation to such a powerful people and be as ignorant to one little fact that he is not Muhammad the prophet of Arabia. He knew he wasn't. And don't let the devil turn you against him so they can take another picture down. Take another man out of our history. You understand what I mean? And I'm telling you again, don't be ashamed to be compassionate. It's a wonderful gift. I'm not teaching you to hate white people. I'm teaching you to know his capabilities. And if I was to teach you about lions, I can say, listen, don't hate a lion. But don't go in his cage. Now, you can say, why not? And then go stagger into his cage. Then I won't have to explain it to the next person. I'll say, see that? That guy didn't listen to me. He went in the cage and now he's dipped. Don't go in the cage because that lion will make you out of pudding. You see this pudding? See you? <laughs> and the third brother goes in there. Then you start saying, let's just open the cage because niggas are stupid. Now I'm saying this. Don't hate white people. Hate is a sin. Do you understand that? For you to hate anybody is a sin. To hate somebody makes you wicked inside. Don't hate him. And if you start treating him the way he treats you, guess what you're going to become? You'll be the devil. If you start doing devilishment. Knowing the dangers of a thing does not mean you're supposed to hate it. Knowing the dangers of a thing means you're supposed to know how to handle it. Do you understand? No. And of course, they say, I'm a hate teacher. The same way they say the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is a hate teacher. And we both say, we don't teach hate, we teach the truth. And if you hate what I'm saying, that's just too bad. Because until I can have an effect on the textbooks in the world and what's being taught to my children, I'm going to teach them about black greatness. If me teaching them black greatness is hate, then that's too bad. But I'm not going to teach them that whites are better than us because some Sunni Muslim comes from Saudi Arabia and says so. It doesn't impress me. It doesn't impress me in the least. You understand what I mean? No. Are you all with me? No. Okay. Um, Shaquan Dizil, um, I'd just like to know if you have in the new book of Lamb the same thing that you had in the message of the messengers right and exact when it talks about the breaks down the lessons, basically degree for degree, and will you mention also the exact date that the the, 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 the um, message of the messengers right and exact, the book of the Lamb, is basically the same book with more facts in it. Right. Certain elders of the nation of Islam who are residing here now with us who were members close to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, said that whoever gave us 1970, which I never told them, no one gave me 1970, right? Right. Elijah Muhammad said, and I have it on tape, a videotape, that 1970 is the second resurrection. You follow that? 
It's on videotape. He said, if you want to see it, the brother downstairs can hook the video up before y'all leave, and he can put that segment on. All right? And y'all can see him say it. He'll say, the man, uh, Lomax, is going to say, are you saying that the year 1970 or around that time is the second resurrection? I'm glad going to say yes. 1970 is the time of the second resurrection. He's going to say himself, and you'll see him on tape, okay? Tell the brother I said to start hooking it up. No, All right, that's step one. Uh, and what happened is they said, no, it was not, because I, I, I said the day he was born, and I left blank, if you notice in all the books, when he died. So I said, I'm not going to assume I know until I know, for sure. Right. But I know, but did he said there'd be a second resurrection, so in certain places I mentioned 1970, because he said it. Right. You understand? But he obviously didn't mean that he would die. He meant it like John the Baptist and Jesus, that he'd still be alive for a couple of years when that new leader's head. Mm. You see, uh, you see what I'm saying? And that's the day I said, I see what you mean. So when was it? They said 1973 is when he died. Mm. And it's recorded for 1975. So that's in the book. Right? And the lessons, yes, they're there. Plus, I'm writing a book called The 5% Lessons. Mm. And it has all the 1 to 20, 1 to 14, 1 to 36, all of them in there. And all the lessons, see, pre-mathematics, actual facts, all of that's inside it. If I get a chance to finish it. So many of y'all trying to get me to write everything. <laughs> uh, I just have one more question. I'd like to know, is it true that Malcolm X wrote the 12 Jewels of Islam? No, it's true that Malcolm X wrote the supreme alphabet and mathematics. Like, you know, one is a law and two is what? I mean, one is oh, knowledge, knowledge, two wisdom. is wisdom, three is understanding, four is justice, oh. five is power, etc. Six mm. is equality. You know, that A is Allah, B is born, C is to see. He wrote that while incarcerated, yes. Right. But the uh, actual fact is from the lost found English class lesson. No. We will continue with the man of the hour, Dr. Malachi Z. York, the reformer for this day and time, right after these messages on WGAG Radio. All eyes on Egypt present. The Holy Tablet, backed by popular demand. Written and transcribed by Dr. Malachi Zodok York L., the receiver. This is the scripture that is divinely inspired that will bring about a long overdue change. Like the phoenix bird rising up out of its ashes. Up, you mighty people, come forth like Lazarus from the tomb. This tablet is food to feed the hunger and to nourish the soul, to give it strength. Rise up, stand up. Be counted amongst the people of this world. Be the first to get your copy of the Holy Tablets while supplies last. At All Eyes on Egypt, Monticello, Georgia, 706-468-2319. Tune in to the El Holy Tablet Show every Friday and Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAD Radio. Look at the air. Look at the People always debated, who's the greatest player of all time? Dumb question. It should be, who's the greatest team of all time? WGAG Radio. Sorry, Showtime. WGAG Radio. Back to back. WGAG Radio. First three P. WGAG Radio. Even with the flu. WGAG Radio. No push-off. WGAG Radio. And my favorite... Tough to beat that. What? You think there's someone else? Prove it. 
bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, 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 bring them out. I'm calling in from Toledo, Ohio, and I want to give WGAD Radio seven-year happy anniversary. This is Empress Ross calling in from Reno, Nevada, and I would like to wish WGAG Radio a happy seven-year anniversary. The senior major calling from Chicago, Illinois. I want to wish WGAG Radio a happy seven years and many more. I'm a prestige bitch. Bring them out. 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 Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. I came up out of that goddamn life, bitch. I'm trying to show you some shit, but you keep rapping with the fucking name. Hey, this is James Brown calling from the nation's capital, which is WGAG Radio. Happy seven years, and I wish you more. This is Peace and Blessings saying happy seventh anniversary to WGAG Radio. Call from North Cross, Georgia. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the baddest, black, brilliant, big booty, baddest chick in the world, Don Dakota Young. Nobody can do it like you, baby. We get on? Yes, I will accept the word get so. Get so. You can do T D T O. Get two fucking seven. Calling from Bremerton, Washington to wish WGAG a happy 7th birthday. Peace, love, and prosperity, and much growth. Yeah, this is Jay Illa calling from the great Lone Star State of Texas. Just want to say shalom, Ella Cool, DL Kaloon, Peace to all within the all. He kept them sip y'all wounds. And congratulations on a strong seven years to Don Nicole Leone, WGAG Radio, and the Brain Trust family. We're going to keep doing this shit forever. Bring them out, bring them out. So when you got these jokes out there that for once have not embraced all, that have not embraced God, look at working as a piece of ass and still ain't got ass and still is low life and always trying to hunger, I say, find God, get your shit together, and then I'll let me later, nigga. Hey, Don, this is my baby love calling from Georgia, Georgia. And, of course, I have to give a seven-year birthday shout-out to WGAG, Real Nigga Radio, and to you, the baddest bitch in El Kaloon, Don Nicole. I'm a psychic to not be free at the goddamn gas station. <laughs> That's all I'm fucking My check, my check, great day, Doug. Happy 7th anniversary to WGAG Radio. This Tony calling in from Memphis, Tennessee. I want to wish a happy 7th birthday to WGAG Radio. Y'all put it down all the time. Real shit for real motherfuckers. So keep on keeping it real. What's going on, y'all? It's a Missy the Writer calling from New York City, wishing WGAG Radio a happy seven years. This is for my girl, my baby girl, Don Coleon, WGAG Radio, Real Nigga Radio. Beautiful seven years. We're going to do seven more. This is, by the way, Sita Ama Aset Amuna Ali L right next door over in the ham. You know what? I'm proud of you, and it's just like I know you, and I am so proud of you. You're doing beautiful. You're like a, you're, you're, a mag, you're magical. You get me? I should have thrown that shit in there. 
<laughs> you are. <laughs> but, girl, you got something going on. It's magic. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Keep it up. Keep going. Don't stop. Yeah, it's your boy Jay Iller. And when I ain't here banging out these amazing beats, I'm cooler with my peace at the Don Nicoleone after party. Come through and chat it up with us anytime. Meet up with the brain trust. Come listen to some good music. Get caught up in some good conversation. You may even catch a building session from time to time. Learn something new. Get yourself inspired. What you gotta do, you have to go to www.powtalk.com. Search Don Nicoleone the after party. And there you are. And here we go. Now welcome back to the man of the hour.
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له. أشهد أن كل رسول رسول الله. I bear witness to Allah alone and He has no partners. And I bear witness to all the apostles that come from Allah. Being a follower of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad through his National Representative Louis Farrakhan, I would just like to know um, the dress code of um. Bow tie and suits. Is that in any way an abomination of Allah's will compared to the Ansaru community with um, white garb? The dress code of the nation of Islam serves its purpose in that which Minister Louis Farrakhan is trying to get across to the people if you pay attention to He is talking about what the white man owes you. Right. And how you should go about trying to get it. He's talking about the possibility of return to a place called Nubia. Listen closely. I didn't say, I didn't say that. Africa is a curse word. Akubalan is a curse word. Break it down. All these are tricks by the devil. Don't fall into them tricks. That's right. The word Africa means to divide something. Faraka. To break us up into pieces. And that's why when you get to the mother, the home of Nubia, you find Nigerians, Ghanaians, or Ghana, uh, what do you call it? Leon, Morocco, Libya, Sudan, Ethiopia. And if you talk to an Ethiopian, you'll say he's not what a Sudanese is. If you talk to the president of Nigeria, you'll say he's not what an Ethiopian is. But here in this country here, they're all Christians. And they break their Christianity down into denominations. There is denominations, but they still say one nation under God, and they'll say it's not—it's not impossible to divide it individually. They say, but when it comes to us, the Muslim family, be we call ourselves Sunni or Shia or Bilalian or the Five Percent Nation or the Israelite Hebrews or the Nation of Islam, we all want to be divided. The Christians, as ignorant as we consider them in their teachings, 
are able to live in one nation and call themselves Baptist, Pentecostal, Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah's Witness, Catholic, of, of, of multiple denominations of Catholics exist. <coughs> Romans, Greeks, the Coptic. But when it comes to Muslims, because of ego, we can't live as one nation under law. We can't get in a room together. The Sunnis don't even belong in this game. That's right. That's right. That's right. You don't belong in this game because you're not saying you're black. And if you're not black, you don't belong in in this room. All right now. It's a black thing. And if you can't see who the devil is in 1990, if you can't see what the devil is doing all over the world today to people, our people, people of color, then you're blind, brother. And the Quran says you're blind. Yes. How they death. Because regardless of how many times Malcolm X jumps up and down, or Noble Drew Ali jumps up and down, or Clarence 13X jumps up and down, or Minister Louis Farrakhan jumps up and down, or Yahweh Ben Yahweh jumps up and down, regardless of how many times black people jump up and down to make you see the white man don't love you. The white man loves his dog more than he loves you. Islamic, as it is, 
They had to turn it into a parking lot. <laughs> Meanwhile, brothers in Sudan starving to death. In Ethiopia, in Somalia, Muslim countries, but black Muslim countries. The so-called devil, the Jew, Yahoo's grafted devil. He will go to Israel and support Israel. I'm talking about the United States of America. Will spend billions of dollars strengthening the military of Israel. Saudi Arabia spends billions of dollars in America buying weapons that they'll never use against nobody but us. But they won't use it against the white man because they love the white man. Why do they love the white man? We give him nothing. We give him nothing. He never gave a reason to. He didn't even know they existed until they had some oil. So it's a black thing. And it's a day and time we're in when the family of Adam have got to come together. I don't care whether you speak Spanish, Cuban, Latin, Japanese, Malaysian, Indonesian, Arabic. Hebrew, I don't care what you speak, you are a child of the sun. When I say a child of the sun, I mean you're the only race of people who can live under the sun. Exposure to ultraviolet light causes more than half a million skin cancer cases each year. The number is expected to double by the year 2000. That's right. And you believe they came from other galaxies, or they're extraterrestrials, <laughs> then why they can't get up there? Why they keep blowing up every time they try to get up there? Right? Now, there's three domains we know about. Right? We know about the domain we're in, then we know about the domain of the law. And then we know about the domain of things. If the domain of the law is up, because we say similarity, similarity, we give using up. And a dunya is here, the world. And the white man taught us that hell was below, Hades. If he didn't come up, and he can't live here, where is he from? Hell. hell. Then what is he? Dress. That looks like it is. 
You go to Europe, they all wear suit and tie. Germans wear suit and tie. Italians wear suit and tie. French wear suit and tie. Americans wear suit and tie. They gotta tell you where they're from for you to know it. Right. So if you can't even aim a rock and throw it at them without asking them who they are first. But when it comes up, we refuse to garb ourselves in the garb of race. We're in a country that we built. We're not respected for building it by our own people. The white man obviously knows if you go to the country. And that you have the ability to build without him. That's why he won't give you jobs. Because if he ever, ever lets you get your hand on the tools, you will build another pyramid here. And create a nice wonder of the world.
I'm going to be an executive secretary. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. A physician. A psychologist. I want a tap dance. I want a soft shoe. I want Uncle Tom. I want to work under some more white folks. I want to remain the slave of the slave master. I want to get up every morning and pounding on this metal object called a subway by the hundreds and stuff in there and squeeze and sweat. And then get out there and go in the place and push a card in and sit down and do what he says to do to make him rich to keep us in slavery. Because if you're making $500 a week, boy, you're giving him $5,000. Otherwise, you have no value. By making us hate ourselves. You sisters, and I was talking to the sisters in the community yesterday about the same thing. You sisters are under the illusion that we think y'all are pretty. Let me tell you what happened now. And what happened is, we would have, had we not been brainwashed. See, we have learned to live in a system of multiple choices. Look down at your shoes right now. Check them out. Sneakers or shoes, check them out. Trust me, I'm not going to do nothing. <laughs> you trust the white man to work for him seven days and hope he pays you on the eight. You give him the whole week without pressing him. Don't If you look at those shoes you have on, you brought those shoes, right? Or someone brought them for you. You may even went to a window where there was 50 pairs of shoes and said, I like those. <laughs> Give me those pair right there. Because they'll match my green dress. Yes? Did you decide on the shoes you wanted? Or was it multiple choice? Multiple choice. Tell me something, some decision you have made since you've been in slavery. <laughs> Please tell me once. You got a book. I guess I'm on television. You know what watch tonight? One of... These things on one of these channels. <laughs> what am I going to eat? Ain't y'all tired of chicken and lamb and rice and spaghetti and all right? What, what, what are you going to eat tonight? One of the things you ate within the last year, only scrambled around, multiple choice. I'm making a point. The only decision you ever made on your own was when you decided to become a Muslim. You will admit I'm a Christian because I was born one. <laughs> my mother and my father was a Christian. So I'm a Christian. I was, my mother was a Baptist. I'm a Baptist. That's how it goes. That's how it goes? <laughs> so your father become a lush, so you become a lush. <laughs> your mother's abused by your father, so you should automatically marry a husband who's going to abuse you. Your mother lives in a project, so you should, your, your greatest hope should be the project. Uh, you start your multiple choices again now in your way of life. Well, this I want from my mother, this I don't. This I want from my dad, this I don't. The only decision you ever make in your life is when you start making decisions that are not pre-programmed in the computer of the Western world for what you'd be. You understand that? And like your sister was asking, what, where, where is the help? 
What is the help? Atonement is the help. Atonement is it. You must sacrifice something. The brother should ask her, what are you willing to sacrifice to get relieved of the surroundings of the devil? But see, you want the devil to leave you alone, but you don't want to give up nothing. Right. So which means that the thing that's attracting the devil to you is still there. So if you want to get the devil off your back, then change your jacket. If you want to get the devil out your face, stop smiling his face. If you want to own something, go for yourself. Bill, the only decision you're ever going to make on your own is when you make up your mind not to believe that Jesus, a white hippie, is God incarnate. That's the first decision. I didn't say don't believe that Jesus is not incarnate. Do I believe that Jesus is God incarnate? Yes. Just like Master Prophet Muhammad is God incarnate. And just like you are God incarnate. And you, 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 and you, and you, and you, and you. Bring it up. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said, our Father, who art in heaven. And if he's our Father, and I'm his son, and my Father is what I am, and I am what my Father is, when you see me, you see my Father, and when you see me, you see God. I didn't say a law. Right. I don't want you small, I don't want you small minded student Muslim to twist this around. God has a way of taking me and Minister Louis Farrakhan's words and twist them around. That's right. See, Minister Louis Farrakhan is the best speaker we got today. That's right. We both serve a purpose. We came in a pair. But every time somebody came as a single, you didn't listen. We came as a pair this time. You follow that? Follow me like I'm the writer. And he's the speaker. I heard Minister Farrakhan say, there's nobody out here that can speak like me. <laughs> and I, I, look, I, look, I watch his tape and I said, he's right, he's a better speaker than I am, my father. <laughs> my father. But then I said, but there's nobody out here who writes like I do. <laughs> has got to come to the reality that we need each other. Yeah. You follow that? And I've made those steps forward. I know he has too because I'm listening to his tapes and I hear him using doctrine. No Muslim that believes that Prophet Muhammad will be seen in the judgment. They don't teach that they will see Prophet Muhammad in the judgment. They teach that they will see Jesus. And the sign of the judgment and the resurrection will be the return of Imam Esau, Jesus, along with the Mahdi. It made me blush. <laughs> because I've said too many times, okay, I recognize that you believe that Master Prophet Muhammad is a law in the personage. So the law came in the personage. That he breathed of his spirit into you and you became a living soul. Because you did say he came, because if he came, he was somewhere. The Allah, as we know him, is always here. Yeah. And if he's here, he can't be there. But he can be here and there. And he can't be over there and not here, and he can't be over here and not there any one time. But he can be here. Because when I see you, like Jesus said, I see God. If you do, the words of God. 
I mean, you didn't die, so I don't insult nobody. You understand? Black people get insulted so easily. You talk about their white God, they ready to hit you. <laughs> but let the white man down Honorable Elijah Muhammad or Sheikh Dawood or Noble Ali or Clarence 13X or Malcolm X, and they love that. Let the white man say Elijah Muhammad had a bunch of secretaries he had sex with. Oh, and President Kennedy had wings up. <laughs> President Kennedy and his brother and his brother and his other brother was all hooked up with the same woman, Marilyn Monroe. They just passed it down. All y'all know about us is Cleopatra and Nefertiti. How many husbands has Elizabeth Taylor had? But you talk about the honor of Elijah Muhammad having more than one wife. You didn't know it. You just assumed it. That's right. All conjecture. Yeah. All hearsay. You got it from an angry son. Yeah. Sons get angry at their fathers all the time. Uh, get mad. Want to know I hate him. How many times when you was a kid you said, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to beat him up. <laughs> Wait till I get big enough, I'm going to knock him out. Now my mother in the kitchen. When you got big enough, he said, come on. Wait till I get big The next thing was, I'm getting out of this place. We see your people, we see what you breathe, and we don't want it anymore. We don't want to put what you're putting on television into our children anymore. So either give us some land of our own or let us go home. That's what Minister Farrakhan is talking about right now. And I can't say nothing about that. It's wrong. Give us some land of our own or let us go home. And do for us when we go home the same thing you do for Israel. Support us. Build our defense. Do the exact same. Don't just throw us out no dead and leave us there and make a joke out of it. That Don't you realize the reason why black people love you so much? Because they're smart enough not to leave you? Until they can stand on their own. They look like Tom. The brothers and sisters you don't like out there. He said, that nigga was Tom. Look at him, he's towering up on the white people. He's just a little smarter than you. You just don't see it that way. He's, I'm standing real close to the white because white you got it all. <laughs> white people steak and y'all are eating at McDonald's and white cattle. <laughs> yes, white he produces the clothes, we buy it. White he produces the music, we listen to it. He produces television programs, we watch it. He subliminally brainwashes us to be what he wants us to be. So, when I see a black woman, I don't see him. I gotta see a white woman to see beauty. You know how you know? A good brother, he means well, Eddie Murphy. He does a whole lecture, because that's the comedy he is, a lecture. And he prefers, in his lecture in Princeton, Oprah, he puts second, and he puts Brooke Shields first. He said, well, but between Oprah and Brooke Shields, I'm sorry, Oprah, he thought he said something slick. Because he didn't put Oprah against Raphael, you know who that is, eh? Another show host, Sally, oh Sally. Going on fake face, look like Michael Jackson's face. He didn't put them together. He took one of the white women, the, the white man's best looking white woman and compared her to Oprah. She's all right. I mean, she ain't no Iman. But in the family of looks, she gets about a four. But when he compared to, notice that he compared 
a what they consider a glamorous white woman to a, a regular sister. <laughs> now, if you would have said, well, between Iman and Brooke Shields, Iman. <laughs> anyway, it goes, they have brainwashed you and me, and you know it's true, brothers. We don't know what beauty is no more. Right. Don't tell me beauty is in the eyes and hold it. He said that too. <laughs> uh, you don't know what beauty is because we don't see black women as pretty no more. That's why they got to, like the brother said, oh, they got to perm their hair and pluck their eyebrows and redraw them in and slant their face and sharpen their nose and paint their lips, try to make them thinner. You have forced the woman to do that, then you stand back and talk about it. You forced her to do it because when she walks by, you don't look. When she walks by, you don't open the door. You're not courteous. You're not kind. You're not respecting the black woman. But all white women walk by, and niggas be jumping out the way. Not only in the South, right here. <laughs> I live here, South and the Caribbean. I see you Tom all over the world. The white women smiling in their face. We gotta re-educate that little boy there to what beauty is. In the land, if you don't know, look in the mirror. If you need a tape measure for your nose, carry one. But when you start looking in the mirror, man, and you look at your lips and your nose, and you start seeing these big lips and these big nose, and then look at a woman with a, a skinny nose and thin lips and say, that's pretty, what do you say about yourself? Right. Like the comedian said, this: three out of every three people, right? <laughs> out of every three people, two of them ugly in them. <laughs> so if you look on your right and left, and both of them are not ugly, guess what? <laughs> But the sad part about it, who decided what was ugly? Us or the white man? Why? Because he is Metro Golden Mayor. Isn't that a coincidence that the first ambassador of the state of Israel, her name was? What a coincidence, Alex. And she's responsible for Sambo and Andrew Mama. And Uncle Ben, and Bo Jangle, and Rochester. She's also responsible for Superman, and Batman, and Claude Gable. And what's the other one, the homo? Rocky. Huh? Rocky. What was the name? Rochester? Let's call him Marshmallow Hutchinson. <laughs> I was getting rocky about him. But they established what was pretty, and they established what was ugly. A black man had to bug his eyes, right? Do a lot of dancing and moving and grinning. And this was bred into us. Wake up. Now we're at a point in time where there is no tomorrow. This is what the minister's trying to say. Now, I, I, if you Sunni Muslims are too stupid to see that, there's something seriously wrong with y'all. Forget the difference in our doctrine and see what the man is trying to say and it makes sense. Because you were so busy badgering the Honorable Elijah Muhammad about Master Farah Muhammad, about who the devil is, that you wasn't listening to what he was saying and you sure didn't see what he did. Because you was here before the man, before Elijah came. You were here. And you couldn't turn the hearts of the fathers towards their sons. That's right. Sunni Muslims were already in America before he came. That's right. And before Master Farad Muhammad came to him. They were already here. Mm. Please show me one of your mosques 
that you built. Not no white Arab came over here and built for you. Show me one mosque that all the dark Sunni Islam, dark skinned people you have built. None. Show me a salam restaurant. Show me a newspaper. A series of books. A button. Show me something and let us know that you here. Because what they did is they concentrated on you not being here. That's the past the Arabs got with America. Don't turn our niggas into Muslims. Why don't they want you to become Muslim? Because being Muslim will be the first decision you ever make. And if you make that decision on your own, decision making is going to start being fun. That's going to be the first one. Then you're going to go to the prophet. You know why? Because you already read the Bible. Adams don't read the Bible. It's perfect with as far as they're concerned. They made up, they've got their own Quran, their own everything now. But you've read the Bible. So when they say prophet, you think, oh Jesus, of course. Tell me about Jesus. They can't. You don't believe me? Next week, don't come here. Go visit Sunni Muslim mosques and ask them questions about Jesus. Say, excuse me, was Jesus crucified, yes or no? They'll say, no, the Quran says that Jesus was not crucified, nor did he hang on the cross. He was not killed, no, but it's only made to look that way. Well, okay, gotcha, now I'll explain the story to you. I got that, and I got the Bible here. Now, you're going to have to tell me if this whole Bible is standing to justify this one verse. You can't see, here's the trick. The whole book got to be tampered with for this one verse. Except for one you want to prove that the comfort is Muhammad. Then all of a sudden, there's verses in the Bible that are not tampered with. <laughs> Except for one you want to prove that there's certain verses in there that prove that Abraham is my Dr. Uh, Jamal Budwick said. When one reads the book of Genesis, when it says that God ordained Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, Isaac was never the only son, the one who was the only All of a sudden, the Bible ain't tampered with. I, I don't know. I heard that before. Somewhere, the Quran says that there are people like to pick and choose from our revelation. What suits them? When you say, well, walk with me through the scriptures. Walk, one, two, let's go. They cannot do it. Talk to them. Ask them. Is Muhammad white or black? You know what they'll say to you? No, they'll say that's not important. <laughs> that's not important whether he's white or black. Say, well, if it was not written in any hadith that he was white, then it wouldn't be important. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you didn't affix right rights to the Quran and explain them and say Muhammad was white, then it wouldn't be important. Because everybody would know he's black, because you can't produce nothing from white. <laughs> so yeah, the original man has to be black. That's a fact. But because you Sunnis got hadith saying Muhammad is white, literally, Bukhari, Tilmin, you got these books that you wrote with your own, written with your own hands. Ooh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a place in the Quran that says there are men that write books with their own hands for Christ. Right. So you had to. Did the Prophet Muhammad write the Quran? Some 
scholars say yes, some scholars say no, some scholars say we don't know. But they'll say, Jesus never wrote a book with his own hands. They're right. It's right. And the Quran confirms that Jesus never wrote a book with his own hands. Well, the Quran says what? What we gave to Jesus. Who gave it to Jesus? John gave it to Jesus. Because it says in the book of Revelation, this is a revelation which what? Allah gave unto to Jesus to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent it and he signified it by his servant John. That's what he says, brother. Don't say, did Jesus write a scripture with his own hand? Because the Quran also confirms that Jesus was the word of Allah. Called him Khalid, the word. But you took and called Moses the word. The Quran says Jesus is the word. But you ask the Muslim, what is Moses' secret name? They say, Khalid Allah. Show me that in the Quran, say. <laughs> See, this is the answer creed. If I don't leave anything here, I want to leave with you the word, show me that. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what makes it an answer, you know. That should make us different than every other group of Muslims out here. We're like, show me, man. <laughs> Got the Bible in my hand. Get the Bible in my hand. Christians say, well, they, Jesus says it. Show me. <laughs> I want to see where it says Jesus so-and-so. Well, it's in there somewhere. Well, the other thing's in there somewhere. When I talk about anything, show me what you're talking about. If you didn't have enough, if you didn't have enough faith to study the exact verse and the chapter, why should I even bother listening to you? Oh, wait, that sounds familiar. <laughs> it's a place in the crowd that there's people that are like mules that carry books on their back. <laughs> Why they use a mule? Because you can't get any dumb on <laughs> <laughs> So when you go to a Sunni Muslim and you say, well, um, I visited the Ansar, stars will up. <laughs> Those brothers are not Muslim. That man, that man says that he is Allah. See, that's called altering words. <laughs> Some of those who are Jews altered words from their places. I said, all of you are Allah. You are the original man, the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the Cleveland planner, the father of civilization and God of the universe. When you were spirit, you were supreme. When you were seed, you were supreme, and now you are supreme. They call the Prophet Muhammad in the Quran, Khulqul Azim. They say, created supreme in the Surah of the Ten. <coughs> but they will take and say, created great. Then they say, what's the name Al-Aziz mean? Uh, mighty. Then what's the name Al-Musakabit? Uh, they, they keep jumping from great. Then why do you say, Allahu Akbar means Allah is the greatest? <laughs> <laughs> Show me the answer, please. Because we live by the word of Allah. Man does not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Right. Right. What it says. So when someone starts rattling on with their mouth, say, show me it in the words of the Lord. Wait a second. When I got this hadith that says, oh, don't go, don't let me do it. Oh. So the hadith is from Allah? Mm-hmm. Well, no, the hadith is a collection of men. No, no. Did this, is this, did this, did this come down that night, laid out for the No. Then I don't want to hear it. 
He'll wipe you out without acts of Panamanian. He only told you about a portion of the death that took over there, took place. He didn't tell you that was an all-black neighborhood today, Bob. He'd have a whole lot of stuff out of that dialogue, which is true. They know what they're doing. You think AIDS is an accident system? AIDS is a form of germ warfare. This disease will kill more people this year than all other viral diseases combined. According to Dr. Robert Strecker, AIDS is a man-made, genetically engineered virus that was either accidentally or deliberately introduced into the world's population. Nobody dies of AIDS. They die from their immune system breaking down and whatever disease is there attacks them and kills them. Right. So, tell me how many cures they're going to need. How many cures? Because if each one of y'all catch AIDS, you're going to die for a different reason. So your cure is different than your cure and your cure. And the white man ain't going to spend that money trying to do that. He's doing another thing. He's spending the money trying to get out of here and leave you with the disease. You think he's shooting up his space shuttle for? You know, he wants to go up there and live. And he did all, he destroyed the planet, he destroyed the ozone. You make, you make any spray cans? What other soul cans you ever made? Spray what? Spray hair sheen or afro sheen and spray can by black people? Where? They ain't created a thing here. We're not responsible for the diseases. But he will leave you here to die. And your preacher don't know that. Because he's so busy saying, Jesus is going to come and save us. Jesus, we waited 379 years for this food, God. Where was he in Georgia when the crackers burnt up, blew up that church in the little kitchen? Yeah. Where is he? If he's there to help, where is he? Where is the spook God y'all been waiting for? We've been waiting with you. Every now and then. Every now and then, you know what y'all do? Y'all lie and fool the world and say, there's a cross out from Greece in the sky. There's a big cross. That means Christ is coming. You remember that? Uh, yeah. And all the Christians are marching out the Queens and looking. Oh my God, Christ is going to come. And they told them Muslims. Told them everybody. It's all the salvation is coming. And they find out the little kid is flying Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, oh, oh, we didn't found the actual shroud of Christ. The actual burial cloth. And he left his spiritual impression on it. He left his impression on the cloth he went through. But he had to move a rock to get out the kid. <laughs> That's the side point. You <laughs> found a shroud. And this shroud means, yes, Christ did die on the cross our sins, thus he is coming back. I don't see the equation between the two. But because he died on the cross our sins, and he never depressed it, here he is. They went and made a picture on him. He had long blonde hair. They, they you know, they x-rayed it. They hologrammed it. And they said, this is Christ. Then somebody found out that someone made it in the 14th century. Some artist made the shroud. All the people went, How many more? There was a statue in Rio de Janeiro of all places been there. They cried. All the Christians ran over there, paid their tickets and flew over there to see Mary cry. If, I think, please, if, Mary's coming back for salvation. I never hear anything about Mary coming back, by the way. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mary's coming back for your salvation. Mary, now. 
Will you please tell me if salvation is a joyful thing and the book of Revelation says there'll be no more crying, why is the statue crying? Shouldn't there be a statue of Mary laughing? Celebrating the return of Christ because it's all over? Then they find out it was condensation. A crack in the statue had allowed it to sneak down out of little holes and out came a kid. Christian went, <laughs> now, but meanwhile, a little man, not bigger than his hair, humble humble say, stop believing in this fool God, he ain't coming. You've been waiting for him for too long. He ain't been giving you no sign. And why is he letting people deceive you like that? Why would God let people trick you into thinking he's coming to fill your whole stuff? You're going to run all over the world and go, let's do it again. <laughs> and he didn't never come. But here, in this text, a proclamation is made. I don't think this is English translation that she told me all. I'll try my best. A proclamation is made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet Muhammad through the angel Gabriel. And it's the last revelation ever revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. The very last thing said to Prophet Muhammad of 1400 years ago. I'm not talking about the apostle or the messenger Elijah Muhammad who's after him. And people say, what? Did that man just say what I think he said? Did he just say the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was a messenger? The Quran says so. Holy Quran, 33rd chapter, verse 40, says that Muhammad is the seal of the prophets. He is merely an apostle, an apostle, and the seal of the prophets. It doesn't say he's the seal of the apostles. But they'll stretch that into, he's the seal of both. And kill you like they did with Shah Khalifa if you say other than that. Right, right. Yeah, right. Come on with it. Come on with it. The alarm raised up a different kind of thing now. I'm not I heard the messenger said once, me and Honorable Elijah Muhammad, don't be scared. Mrs. Lewis Farrakhan said the white man had a gun to Honorable Elijah Muhammad's head once and said, Nigga, I should blow your brains out. He told you can't do it. Only if Allah wills it, will it happen. <laughs> White man put his gun in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> That's faith, right? You got that kind of faith? You think you can stand that? Jesus didn't have it. Because when Jesus got ready to get crucified, he said, Oh, my father, it would be possible. <laughs> Let this cup pass by me. Ain't that what he said? He's always that old child, my spirit is willing, but the body is weak. But you Christians keep telling them it ain't about his body. It's all about his spirit. But Jesus identified with the boat, whatever he's saying. Spiritually, I'm down. You know what you, you know what your spirit's in, you know, walking to the valley of the shadows of death and all that stuff. I'm with you, but he's nailed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Why? 
I'll tell you why. Because Jesus became like they said. Who do, here's what Jesus says then, who do people say the Son of Man is? They say, the prophet Elijah? No. Another thing, let me tell you, this, this is another trick the Arabs are playing on your ears. There's three different names for Elijah in the Quran, spelled three different ways. They spell it two different ways in the same chapter. And then they say, well, that's one is Elijah and the one is Elias. Then who's the third? Who's that third? Could that have been the honorable Elijah Muhammad? Could it have been? Let's think about it. The Arabic, you can't assume. Because it's there three different ways. Name another prophet in the Quran whose name is spelled three different ways. And why? And then name another prophet who's predicted to come as clear and as precise as it says about Elijah in the books of Malachi. And even in the book, way back in the Bible, he said, if you see me, you're going to get a double portion of it. And what did that Elijah back there do? He did the things that Christ did. He raised the dead. Were you not mentally dead? That's yes. right. Yes. Did you know who you were before the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught? Yes. Like I said, Sunnis had already been here and taught nothing we could see or understand. And Clarence 13th got his teaching from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yes or no? Malcolm yes. X was a serious speaker until he went on the law. Serious speaker, where did he get his source from? I remember clearly when Warfi Muhammad in 1975 became the leader of the nation of Islam, yes. proclaimed himself the president. That's right. We are one body. But God has manifested we under the leadership of Muhammad Elijah Muhammad are the divine body that God wants the world to see today. That's an old man, his father's son is right. <laughs> right? His father's son is right. He made too many trips to Saudi Arabia like Malcolm did. <laughs> and slowly but surely came back on. Where in the Quran did you find a hint that it would be possible for white persons to join the nation of Islam in this country? Because in 1960, as I recall, it was open exclusively to blacks, not yes. to whites. The language of the Quran concerning the family of man is very much like the language of the Bible. Uh, it's not a hint, it's just plain language. It says that God uh, made you from Adam, your father Adam. And the Quran says also that uh, man is one human, one family. Shock. The devil can be reformed. Mm. Let him in the mouth. Wait a minute. What does the lesson say? Can the devil be reformed? <laughs> وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على أنبياء أجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين أما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it and that he is alone and has no part and that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one, and on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the reformer, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio.